to good e good afternoon everybody oh good evening even this is uh episode five of malt travail uh if you remember from last week those who listened last week we're kind of in our the middle of our pilgrimage from the past so last week we had a good chat about uh going west from uh, york and mentioned the delights of keithley and skipton uh, and this week we said we've concentrated on the other side of the great county uh we're going to look at the east riding and hull um, and that then will leave us next week to pick up the Trans-Pennine Real Ale Trail, which apparently I've been reading today that was um, it was the Oz Clark and the other bloke who remember they did that program. They claimed that they made it famous first, uh, but that was yeah. something like 2009. And as you mentioned last week, we were back in back in the 86s, and we've been I certainly I, I've been up in my loft this week digging out all the old books. So I found my 86 uh, Good Beer Guide, which is quite interesting. Uh, and and this this evening, Nicholas is coming from the live from the cellar bar. So yeah, I, I thought I'd have a quick sneak out to me local. No, I'm only joking. It's uh, it's been a bit warm up here in uh, North Yorkshire this uh, this week, so I thought I'd uh, I'd venture down into the cellar. My the, the temperature's dropped again now, so keeping myself warm with some nice uh, Yorkshire beer again. Are you going to give us a little pan round, Nicholas, so we can see yeah, the yeah. Uh, the cellar bar in 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 its hall? Not, not, not at the moment. No, I've got about three extension leads plugged in at the moment <laughs> um, to uh, to to rigged up to me uh, to me iPad. So uh, I don't want everything to start collapsing. Maybe next week we'll send we'll send one of those Google cameras down so we get a three D image there. Uh, and Bruce, are you uh, are you back with us again this week? Uh, how are you feeling this week? I'm fine. I'm fine. I can't have them bimto sadly only about ten Still can't face the beer, but I'm sure it'll come back. I had a sausage for the first time this week, so that was good. Oh, well, that's that's progress. That's progress then. <laughs> so we are recording this on Thursday the 18th of February. Um, so it still feels... Um, I know it's been quite light. It was light tonight until 6 o'clock, which is always yeah. a good sign, but uh, still not much sign of pubs opening anytime soon. Uh, we are all still awaiting the, uh, the grand announcement on Monday when we're going to get an idea. Um, some of the papers have been talking about Easter, but I don't know really. It's a bit, a bit we'll have to wait and see really. Nearer me, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll just do the normal kind of quick roundups. Uh, we're perhaps trying to spend a bit less time on this. So I've, I've, I've just going back through, just I've just been writing up last week's notes and we spent nearly three quarters last week just doing the first few, first few bits. So we might do a bit quicker these. Um, what we have done, I've written up the pubs that we talked about last week. Uh, and put them together on a little sheet. So we'll find a way of either either through uh, Twitter or on the Facebook page of making that available. Or again, if people would like to message us directly, if you DM us either via Facebook or the uh, Twitter feed, I'm more than happy to, or, or YouTube, I'm more than happy to send those on. Uh, we're just going to find a ways of getting that out, just finding our feet as we go through this. Um, so as I mentioned this evening, we're going to focus on our Past Pilgrims Part 2, which is looking at the East Riding of Yorkshire. Um, and then I said we've got our final bit there. Then we need to do a bit of thinking, guys, about where we're going to go after that, really. About yeah. We mentioned we might we might break next week and do, uh, again, a two-parter and perhaps talk about Leeds the week after. We've mentioned one or two other places that we could talk about. So we perhaps need to get our thinking caps on this week and come up yeah. with a, another little series of episodes after that as well. Yeah, Tyne um, and, and Weir, haven't we? Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did that one, Bruce. South Shields, Tyne and Weir. Yeah. Um, so that's the point of the day, and I just thought we kick off by obviously one of the one of the highlights of going to Hull is you see lots of white telephone boxes, <laughs> which 
Um, again, I think if you haven't, certainly people who haven't been um, to Hull, uh, it was a little bit of a shock. And apparently, again, this all goes back to 1903, I think, when the uh, General Post Office started to develop the telephone network, but it was up to individual cities and towns to decide what they want to do. And Hull, as a few, apparently a few places did, Hull said, no, we want to do it our own way. So they set up the whole telephone company. They, whatever reason, went for white telephone boxes. Um, you'll also notice that there's no crest. There's no royal crest on telephone boxes. And there's another long story there. We might get to when we get to the Civil War and one of the pubs in Hull. Uh, KCOM are the company that now run Hull Telephone, and they still do have those white telephone boxes. So they're getting a little bit rarer now, aren't they? They've got a new yeah. version, haven't they? It's a bit more kind of 21st century. Um mm. I guess they're worth quite a lot of money if you can find one and you can put one in your garden or whatever. About four grand refurbished if yeah. you want a, a, a red telephone box nowadays, a proper cast one. Crikey. Mm. And people and, are always uh, quite, uh, if people at Hull, they're always quite outraged about the price of KCOM's internet, aren't they? Uh, it's quite a contentious point, isn't it? I think it's the most expensive broadband in the country, I believe. And I don't know, is, is it still a closed city? I mean, I presume you, can, you, you should be able to... Can you get other... Providers as well, or well, it's kind of weird. They start, they have all the infrastructure, don't they? So uh, it's all reflecting the prices, it's uh, as I understand it. So your line people, rental has to go through KCOM, yeah. right? So, okay, if you, if you want to say, if you want to be a bit geeky, they've still got their own train system as well, haven't they, Bruce? Have they? Well, isn't the Kingston right. Rail? Is well, it still trains is now, isn't it? All trains privately owned still. Which is why it hasn't really been running, hasn't it? Because they very early had to pull most of their um, services because uh, obviously there, were, there was no you know, footfall. And I guess they don't get any subsidy from national yeah, government. Yeah. So I know I've heard a few things. I follow a couple of the Hull MPs and uh, there's been a bit of a bit of a shout about it really because they tend to go more south, don't they, the river and, and kind of out towards Pontefract and Doncaster when I look. Well, oh, the trains just go to London. They just stop at uh, yeah. Selby, Brufford, and I think it's Grantham or Retford, isn't it? Then they go down. So I'm part of first group now, though, isn't it? But like I say, we have the semi Grand Central up here. There are these third party operators out there, and they guess they get no subsidy, so they just pulled out straight away. But uh, the trains are deserted. I've come through York Station every night. My bike on the way home from work. I saw a Zuma train tonight, and I saw about two people on it. It's just absolutely yeah, quiet. Well, it was a half term, I guess, a bit more as well. So, just quickly, we'll just do our bloopers from last week. Uh, for some reason, again, I didn't think that much last week, but I kept referring to um, <laughs> a cider that was. I kept saying Aspinalls, and Aspinalls is a very posh, a very posh uh, handbag company in in London. Uh, I know a few <laughs> zoos, don't they, Aspinalls, um, and not Asphalls, which again, it was the one I should have said. Uh, although, again, I was a bit of a shock. I remember halfway through last week when we found out that actually Aspals is now brewed by Molson Cause um, and it's not some little Suffolk farm, as they claim. Uh, I also Molson Cause or Heineken? No, it was Molson Cause. Molson Cause. Uh, and I also made some a complete boo of, of, of trying to pronounce that um, US state, Hawaii. Hawaii. I can't look at it now. Ohio. And Ohio. Hawaii yeah. or something, which is very bad, which is where Brewdog have their American uh, brewery. And then we got, just listening back, we got a bit confused, really. There are, just double-check this week, there are three brewers in Tadcaster, um, as we kind of suggested. Uh, and I think, Bruce, you got this about right, that the, the what was the big John Smith brewery, the one that you see from the uh, the A64 with the big tall chimney? You'll recognise it on the beer mats and on all John Smith's uh, uh, marketing. That's now the Heineken UK brewery, um, and they still do brew John Smith's. And then Nick mentioned the Tower Brewery. That was taken over by Bass. Uh, and then that, again, is where Coors are now based. 
uh, brewing all those uh, Yorkshire beers uh, like Cronenberg, 1664. Um, what was the other one? And Amstel, those famous Yorkshire beers all brewed in Tadcaster. And then, obviously, we talked about Sam Smith's, uh, and I'm sure they're in the same place as they were. And most contentiously, of course, Newcastle Brown Ales brewed in Tadcaster as well. That's right, yeah. Yeah, we might, we might, well, we might get onto that when we do the Newcastle thing. Um, I've been looking into a little bit about that on my beer course. Uh, and just one thing, again, I, I've learned, actually, yeah, I was just doing, um, just writing up the uh, notes for for the beer list for this, the brew, uh, sorry, pub list for this week. And it came across really good, actually. It's uh, Visit Bradford. Uh, I've worked together with Timothy Taylors and with the local camera branches. And there's quite a nice uh, Keithley and Worth Valley mm. Ale Trail. Um, I've put the link into that. It's quite a nice document. It's about 12, eight, 12 13 pages long. Um, mm. And it goes a bit, a bit of background, talks about the transport network, networks, um, and then goes through most of the, oh, quite a few of the towns you mentioned last week. Um, and we can see their little summary of the pubs and also mention the breweries. So it was mentioned that their Keithley page, I don't know whether these are ranked in particular order, um, but again, the ball makers and cricketers, or the cricks, I understand it's how it's referred to, um, we, we'd got those as our top two as well. Uh, Looks like alphabetical to me. Possibly. Uh, <laughs> not Burlington before, after cricketers, Nick. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the cricketers apparently is no longer Timothy Taylor's. Um, and I've just written that up now. And another another independent chain have taken it on. Um, and they feature mainly Osset and Old Spot Brewery, which is one I don't think I've come across um, recently. Which yeah, really the we noticed that the Burlington Arms sell Timothy Taylor's beer, but via electric pumps. Yeah. Which, which it seems almost seems like sacrilege, doesn't it? I've never had a pint of electric Timothy Taylor's, have you? I probably have, because if you think about a lot of the working men's clubs, they all added that, those electric half-pint dispensers, didn't they? Mm. Um, and it was yeah, you know, with a, and an oversized glass. So you yeah, got that big head on the top. In pub, clubs, I've seen Sam Smith's, but yeah, those yeah. bizarre half pint bars glasses were probably in the clubs, weren't they? Yeah. And then the other thing on the other side there, just again, they list the breweries. I don't know how up to date this is, but again, you know, there's there's at least five breweries now working out of uh, mm. Keithley or the surrounding area. Um, Oxenhope obviously is on that Howarth um, Worth Valley Railway, so it's the last stop. In fact, we take we 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 probably haven't been because because Howarth's the one before. So that might be again that bridge house, and there's a couple. I think some of the couple of pubs in Haworth now are promoting their beers. Uh, Goose Eye, obviously, I think we've we've definitely drank Goose Eye. Yeah, uh, Nailers is one that I hadn't come across before. Yeah, they want to dig out, uh, and similarly, Old Bear is another one that again I hadn't yeah. come across before. And obviously, we mentioned Tim Taylor's several times. I think, as you said there, Nick, uh, that Madonna famously became a fan of Landlord. But again, I've seen Landlord cropping up quite a lot this week uh, in some of the beer podcasts about. You know, it has got such a uh, global recognition, really. So, mm. and you do wonder last week how, how the effect of the pandemic and beer sales, uh, how something that that's going to affect Mike Taylor's. But I guess they've got um, deep pockets, as we say in New Yorkshire. Um, so, beery highlights for this week again, just for me. Uh, mentioned last week, I bought my uh, my wife a lovely bottle of Mason's uh, Raspberry Gin. And in, and in return, I got a very nice uh, mini keg of Titanic Anytime IPA. Um, and again, I mentioned that Nick, Nick saw me at Christmas. These are these new mini kegs which Titanic are using, which is quite interesting. They have a CO2 little canister at the top there. So when you first get them, you, you kind of release this CO2. Uh, and that does mean that it's quite a carbonated beer. And I've just about got to the bottom of it after five or six days. Uh, and it's still, yeah, it's still as lively as it was the day where, you know, in the past they go a bit flat, those, don't they? So How interesting. Many How many pints? 
Uh, well, it's five. Uh, what are these? Five, five, five liter. Five liter. So what's that? So About eight pints. Just short of 10 pints. 10 pints, yeah. I think uh, a, a pint is 400 and 483 millilitres. Yeah. Something like that. Well, they reckon they're three weeks, but, well, in the world of three weeks in my house. So, uh, but no, yeah. I, I wonder whether the keg, this keg, um, you know, technology, whether, again, that's going to be one of the positives of coming out of this. I, I just noticed on my Facebook line, I'm being bombarded with uh, Uflow keg, sales and uh what's the other one direct uh, uh what's it called the one that uh, uh honest brew um perfect perfect draft um painter that's on all my internet feed i get painter which that's the one where you brew your own beer you brew 10 pints every three weeks um so interesting how that goes uh i got a great book from oh i've ordered managed to find a, a copy of uh, Michael Jackson's Great Britain's Belgium. Uh, when I first started looking for these, they're 220 quid on Amazon, which I thought I didn't spend that much. I, look, I find it for nine quid somewhere. I think I've got a third edition, which will be okay. Um, and again, that's just, I've been reading a few things this week about Belgium. And I do think, chaps, that needs to be our next away kind of abroad trip. I oh, yeah. I think it's been a while. From all. Yeah, it's been a while since I went to Belgium. Um, I still the ferry. Train. I think the train's a better option, Nick. Personally, um, although I reckon the flights are quite cheap as well, um, mm. and you get to most places mm. from um, Brussels Airport pretty quickly. Plus, the train from Hull to, the ferry from Hull to Zeebrugge finished in December, Nick. No longer completely. Running. Yeah, yeah. All right. Got a little extension for it only service for the remainder of the uh, pandemic, but yeah, no more passenger service sadly. But then, what, is, that, is, is that just because of COVID or is that... No, that's forward? the economic decision, apparently. All right. Um, yeah. Be interesting, be interesting to see, though, with the, with the Brexit now and the, the backing up in the ports of, of Dover and stuff, they reckon they were going to start using uh, some of the smaller ports just to take the pressure off. You would hope so, wouldn't you? Mm. I mean, we stayed in Ostend on holiday about four years ago now, and they're just... Uh, just the range of beers available yeah. <laughs> in restaurant and bars is breathtaking. It's like yeah. going into a, a beer library, like a bottle. The, the, the pubs are like bottle shops. Yeah. Uh, next to our hotel, there was a, a very small, like a uh, sort of working man's bar. So hundreds and hundreds of bottles of beer. And you could go in uh, the day before and they'd cook a carbonated flamard with about 24 hours notice for you. And you got to choose any four bottles of beer. So there's a meal for four with any four bottles of beer you chose within reason. It works out about 10 euros a head, 12 euros a head. Insane. They just served it in a, yeah. a crusade dish full of beer. I mean, imagine being able to do that here. It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? So let me, let me let me guess, Bruce, you ordered kids a main adult meal as well and got there for what was a beer each. <laughs> no, no sadly, the beer had to go in the cabinet flamard. <laughs> and then the, um, I mean, but the world set up on them. I mean, all, most of the bars have quite extensive menus, don't they? Beer menus. Um, and normal yeah. English and in. Uh, whatever is Flemish or, or French, so um, and then the last one there is obviously uh, uh cameras 50th anniversary. Mm. Um, I think currently that book's 22 pounds on pre order. I haven't kind of I haven't that's that's the that's the special edition with the gold leaf edges. I'm wondering whether to go for one of those myself. It should be 25 mm. to camera members, it's 22, and then there's the normal paperback one, which is, I think is is about 15 quid. Uh, but that's one the, the the one that you're showing there. If anybody's on the YouTube, that's the that's the special edition one. But I think it's only available to camera members. Camera members, yeah, yeah. It might be worth you know selling some of the future, isn't it? Like you say, yeah, it is, limited yeah. edition. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe something to consider. And then I came across this as well, which again to me is another sign. I think Sam's maybe coming in 21st century that they're currently doing 
obviously pub in a box is another one of the kind of pandemic uh benefits of, of a brewery. Um, it's been and, available for years, Michael. Has it? All right. I yeah, thought, some, I thought of the, catch some, of the right. do, some of the pubs do sell it. Um, the Trafalgar Bay, they've been selling it for donkey's years. Um, yeah. The few choice to go down there, yeah. But yeah, it's quite been available. In the seat in the few gift shops as well, I'm not kicking about. I've seen it in so, shopping with me. I thought eleven ninety five was great until I looked at the post. It was eight fifty, which is quite a lot, isn't it? For a, but then, so I guess if you if you can go into one of this, I, I presume That's some right, of the yeah. pubs are open for um, off sales. So whether you could pop in and get one. And again, yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting their choice of beer. Again, it was quite interesting, you know. Um, the organic lager is really nice, yeah, um, pale. And then we mentioned, I think it was the other one we mentioned, but the organic chocolate stout. Again, I know it gets it's a good writer, doesn't it? Um, and the pub featured, I've written this down somewhere. The pub on there is the Greyhound, which is a little village in Saxon just outside uh, Tadcaster. That is so. an absolutely fantastic pub. Uh, both each one of the winter and summer, but again, Best on a dark night uh, when you go in there. There's, it's got roaring fires, little tiny rooms, has it, Nick? Stone walls. Yeah, they don't let children in. They'll do it, the Bruce. No, they don't, unfortunately. Last time we were there. <laughs> but obviously, I mean, it should do a bad thing. But uh, it's a fantastic... On a, on a dark winter's night, you would not want to be anywhere else. It's really high up as well on the, between uh, Taddy and... Um, uh, Towton, uh, so it really catches... But the, again, you'd have to probably be able to get to drive there, wouldn't you? Because you might get a buzz in the day, but... I think no, there's no bus like... to Saxon. Yeah, so sadly, if you want to go there, you do need a driver. Yeah. I'll get Paddy. Um, they've, they've only had a road there for the last five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was interesting, that one there as well. Can I, uh, well, before you move on, can I promote a pub in a box? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, Great Newsome, I'm actually drinking one of their beers tonight. Uh, I would say Great Newsome are in my top three at the moment in terms of beer on the bar and also bottle beers. So, they're actually doing a pub in a box. They're offering 10 bottles of 500 milliliter beers, mixture of bottles, uh, a pint glass, a bag of nuts, some Yorkshire crisps, uh, some beer mats, and they also supply you with your QR code, which means you can download a pub quiz, and that's priced at $25.50. Very good, that, you know, that's isn't bad, it? yeah. Well, if Sam Smith is giving you three bottles and a, and a glass for $11.95, these guys are giving you 10 bottles and a yeah. glass and a few nibbles for... Twice the price. Once again, though, the only the only thing is postage eight fifty. Yeah. But I suppose once again, compared to Sam's, you'd be getting a parcel that's twice the weight of it. Well, three times yeah. the weight of a Sam's parcel for eight fifty. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to treat myself uh, yeah. this weekend. Um, what size bottles are they? Are they four forty? What are they? Five hundred milliliters. Five fives, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you purely look at that, I mean, if they'd been open and I, I was allowed to travel, I would have gone and picked one up from the brewery because yeah. of that. You're looking yeah. at less than two pound a pint, really. Uh, two yeah, pound a bottle. But as I say, anybody, yeah, great news from beers. The one I'm on tonight is a uh, pricky back option, which is the Yorkshire word for Quite nice, uh, that one, isn't it? Yeah. a hedgehog. Uh, I like their uh, select dust. Uh, they do the Frodingham's best. They're actually based upon the Wolds. In fact, I've got two Wolds beers tonight. I've got uh, World Top, World Gold. They were probably the first well known brewery up on the Wolds over in David Ockney country. Um, but as I say, great news of them have been on the go a fair while now. Once again, farm, farming family that diversified, use all their own barley and stuff like that. Uh, but they've got a core range of beers and they don't tend to mess about. They don't think they have to produce a different flavour style of beer every week, uh, which I think leads to consistency. So whenever I've walked in a pub anywhere, seen their beer on, it's always been a consistent, decent pint. And I'd much rather than have that than lots of different flavours to choose from. 
And then, have I read that the World Cup have also moved into whiskey now as well? That they, they are. Yes. They can they can call it whiskey year, now. They, yeah. they moved into that four years ago, but obviously you can't call a whiskey a whiskey until it's been laid down for three years. Yeah. Uh, so that is their their partner company is a Filey Bay Whiskey Company. So you'll start to see that in the shops. Quite expensive. Yeah. I think it's between 40 and 50 quid for a bottle. Yeah. Uh, but I understand it's it's very, very nice. So yeah, yeah um, it was they were only they railed, they were selling it as Yorkshire spirit um up until uh, last year, I think it was. Yeah. And obviously whiskey is, is clear when you first get it, like Pachin. It's the actual age in the barrel yeah. that gives it yeah. its uh, its colour and its its other flavours. So as I say, it's Filey Bay, Filey Bay Whiskey Company. So next, successful next, again, really is. Yeah. Well, well, well got a good good beer. Nick's chosen some good beers then that link in very much to our East Riding view. Um, I unfortunately are drinking Californian IPA from Sierra Nevada, um, just because it's it, it's what I've got, I've got in the garage. Uh, but I've got a Timothy Taylor's landlord lined up to finish finish off the day. Uh, thank you to my friend Simon Scott who's listening to this. Hopefully, uh, who managed who passed that on to me at the, over the weekend. We met up uh, on our distance meets. Um, uh, so quick beer news again. Probably just want to just zip through this a little bit, really. Um, just the Sibber story there. Um, Sibber again is the Independent Society of Brewers, which is more of a trade thing. Um, just really the theme we've talked about last few weeks. Uh, they their report this week was talking about uh, particularly impact on craft and cask cask brewers. Uh, the headline: two hundred million fewer pints of craft beer brewed in twenty twenty. Uh, and just echoes what we talked about last week, really, that it's those independent brewers um, seen a 34% drop uh, in their uh, in, in their profit and in their money and in their turnover. Uh, and we kind of that's what we've talked about with the the impact that, that that's going to have. And then it goes on and talks about obviously the ones that could switch to mini keg and bottles and cans have done okay. But obviously, as we said last week, a lot of them are so much geared up towards cask. And keg production—it's—it's it's hard out working on there. Um, another story this week about billionaire, um, whatever they are, equity groups. This yeah. time it was the Sandy Lane Group, which is apparently is uh, Bruce some very well-known racehorse trainers. Yeah, yeah, um, McManus is an absolute gentleman, um, but of course they passed these on Manchester United, hasn't he? Chairs uh, in Manchester United with uh, um, they had that big farm now with Alex Ferguson, I believe, didn't he? And his own nursing homes. Yeah, they're all quite well-known chaps, these, but he's pretty sure. And then the owner of Spurs as well, and they've put in now, they've, they've put together a bid of, um, to buy out or not, or to take a, um, a, a big share, a big share in Mitchell and Butler's, which we've been talking about again. And um, we've mentioned we quite like Mitchell and Butler's, they're you know, quite a good chains, or the chains they have, it's amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. In fact, let me move this on uh, for those that are watching on YouTube. I, I just... It's amazing how many brands that Mitchell and Butcher's now kind of yeah. look after. So Sizzling Pubs, Vintage Inns, Harvester, Ember Inns, Toby Carvery, Castellins, Nicholson's, we've talked about quite a lot, O'Neill's, Alex, All Bar One, Miller Carter, Browns, Innkeepers Lodge, Oak Tree, Orchard Pubs, Premium Country Pubs, Stone House, Pigs and Carvery. So it's quite a hell of a, you know, it's a great portfolio, yeah. isn't it? I don't, yeah, I'd only recommend a couple of those for real ill, though, really. I would say sort of Vintage Inn um, tend to have the real ill in. Uh, Sizzlers, I think the sometimes the regional beers in a lot of the others. It's just yeah, yeah mega nice. brew stuff. We have two Sizzlers next door, you know, down the road. In fact, my my two mm. closest pub of Sizzlers, and I mean, one has four hand pulls on. They always have draft bass on. Um, I, yeah. I presume again, it's then probably um, I don't know. It's enterprise. I don't know what what beer link they've got. 
Um, like you say, vintage are quite good. They usually have a good range of beers, yeah. don't they? And we said yeah. Nicholson's and, always have a good range. And they give 10% discount on your camera card. Not yeah. that a lot of the staff know that. In fact, uh, I actually got in contact with head office and said, look, can you tell me where the button is on your till? So the next time I go in and offer me camera card and the staff behind you, bar look at me, gone out, I can tell them exactly where they can find the discount on the on the till, uh, which, you know, once again, vintage is not cheap anymore for a pint in there. Yeah. You're paying up to at least four quid for a pint of real ale. So to get 10% off brings it back down to sort of 360, which I'm more used to paying, really. So they put a £350 million um, equity fund together, which has given them 55% share of the company. Um, as it mentions there, there is 1,600 venues in the UK and over 40,000 employees. So possibly good news for some of those guys because, again, I guess it, yeah. it puts the company in quite a good footing, doesn't it, going forward, really? Can I, can I, can I just put fifty million pound to ride out the pandemic? That's quite sobering, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Can I just push that size has no funds? It's a, you know, it kind of puts in the context for little businesses. Um, God, big decisions coming to the budget and next week, isn't there? Really, in terms of timing mm. and cash and grants, is there? Go on, Nick. Can I just, can I just go back to corrections? Uh, you did your corrections. I had a little uh, correction from last week when I said that. The King's Head in Masson was a Mitchellism and Butler pub. It's not. It's a spirit pub co that is a subsidiary of Green King. Ah, yes, and I've written that in the update today. Those, yeah. those in the know, they know that Green King is now owned by Hong Kong Finances. Uh, their headquarters is in Hong Kong. It's actually owned by, let me see, I've written it down, uh, Chung Kong Holdings now own Green King. And obviously Green King, I believe, are the biggest pub group in the country now. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I've written that in the update today. Just going back to Bruce's point, actually, just my notes here about the Sibber report. Um, uh, again, they said that on average, the average small brewery is currently burning through £5,000 a month just on their overheads. That's the average. And, of course, they're still paying VAT. They're still paying beer duty. Uh, rent and business rates. And Sibber reckon that only about one in three of those uh, breweries have actually had any government support. And so the majority of them have had nothing, you know, over the last 12 months. So it, it is pretty tough for them, isn't it? Well, you have to say that decision not to allow pubs to sell takeout beer seems increasingly bizarre because, you know, people get it, they would come home, but a bit of money flowing through the pub, a bit of money flowing through yeah. the brewery, it does seem a very strange decision. Um, and, that's, and that looks nice. That just I just thought I'd plug one of my little local uh, here. Um, I'll just move those. I don't know if you can see that. I'm, I'm going to move those that are watching it. A little story about uh, a pub, a, a pub that's close to me, um, which is up in the uh, Peak District uh, at Waslow, the uh, Greyhound Inn. Uh, again, landlady, landlord there. Just con I'd really worked hard to get a really nice community pub. Um, it's yeah. always in the good beer garden. In fact, it just won summer 2020 Country Pub of the Year for our local area. Um, obviously been pretty much shut now, um, open a little bit over the summer, but obviously been out in the sticks, you know, I think it was unlimited. So they've got this idea of get, of trying to just create that community feel. So they've put built a website pretty much overnight. There's some nice little YouTube clips of them, um, kind of with the kids and the dogs trying to put a, a, a website together. And they have got together with quite a few of the breweries in Peter Street, which are all fairly small breweries, um, you know, some again, quite a range really. Uh, and it seems to be going really well. And they, they kind of launched a couple of weeks ago um, and a few few things in our local papers. So 
I think they'd be able to offer they're offering 70 beers at the moment. It's fun, you know, with yeah. about five or six breweries that are involved. So, and one of them is, is Bear Town, which I've talked about most of the ones as well. So, just thought it was a good story. And then the last bit of news just this thing this week about the BBC that the archaeologists in Egypt have found a brewery that is uh, 5,000 years old, which is quite quite amazing, really. Um, doing uh, excavations in a place called Abydos in Egypt, and they found what they think are kind of 40, whatever they are, brew pots, mash tubs, uh, <laughs> and it's clear that, that beer was being brewed. It was probably a barley a barley beer, so a bit like Gold Label <laughs> being brewed. <laughs> Uh, and that got me thinking, actually, because I've, I've read about this before and um, we always kind of, I don't know, perhaps wrongly, we kind of associate ancient civilizations with, with wine, you know, Romans with wine. Although, again, I was watching that the Big Dig thing last night and they were saying, no, beer, beer in Newcastle was massive and they were drinking that much of it. They had to keep keep ordering more beer for the garrisons that are all on Adrian's wall. Um, and uh, a bit deeper read here. So the Hebrew... The Hebrew term that is used in the Bible, for example, uh, is shachar, which translates as strong drink. But actually, if you look at kind of the, the, the derivative of that, that's a barley beer, um, that, mm. that term shachar. And so it's likely that a lot of the things we kind of associate with the Bible, like the wine, for example, um, was probably beer. So Jesus probably turned water into barley beer, not wine. Um, and the simile with the Last Supper it's probably more than likely it was beer that they were drinking and not wine. Yeah. And well, grain, grain was far more available than, than yeah, grapes. That's so. and, and barley especially. And it was only yeah. in the 17th century when the, shall we say, the snobbish English, whatever they were, pastors, etc., cetera, um, who felt that beer was a common, you know, too common a drink. And so they, they like, translated it uh, into wine and that stuck. So it's interesting that, you know, beer has always been probably seen as the, the kind of you know the low class drink and wine slightly more superior and some of that i guess is being backed up by religions working like that so i just thought it was interesting so we can have a look at that and come back yeah. um and then i mentioned mission butlers so oh, I think before we, we go we should mention that uh i feel obliged to mention that uh york's longest saving landlord passed away this week oh you mentioned that bruce yeah um yeah. Watkins was 71 and the landlord of the eber in a pub known well known for thousands of people either before they visited before us visiting your race course if you've been to a funeral at York Crematorium, you've probably been there. Uh, but it was also the last um, tenanted Sam Smith's yeah. uh, the entire estate. So from now on, every single pub in the Sam Smith's estate will now be managed because he managed. was the last person to have yeah. a tenancy agreement. So that was really, really sad. It was a cracking pub. Uh, he had done it for 40 years. I think he was only 32 when he went there. Yeah. Uh, he made it all look incredibly easy. He was always there at the bar. Um, I had a word for everybody. His food was great. His portions were massive. The quality was great. Uh, and I say it was a sad day for all of us here at York because everybody knew him. Sadly, we won't be able to give him a decent work as well, Bruce. Yeah. Very much so. That I've been here a few times. It had to be a big day in the pub there. And again, you yeah. do worry, don't you, that certainly, you know, things like racing, certainly people going to races might be a while for that comes back. Again, a pub like that, when you've lost such the corner pin of it, well, um, how that pub might survive going forward because it's a fair bit, it's a fair way out of York, isn't it, Bruce? Yeah, it's the Bishop Thorpe. Bishop Thorpe's a very prosperous, large village. So, uh, locals probably might York. still support yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it has got three pubs that, uh, but yeah, but to the essence of the pub's gone now, really. That's a okay. great shame, yeah. Right, so let's get on to the, tonight's main focus, which is talking a little bit about trips around the East Riding of Yorkshire. So, again, the, the ridings, just again, people that may not be 
totally okay with this. Uh, Yorkshire, uh, his well, has is was split into three ridings. Apparently, that's a, a, a Viking word about how they w- were administered. Um, East Riding, North Riding, or North Yorkshire, and the West Riding. Uh, obviously, it's a bit different now because it's South Yorkshire. We had this weird thing called Humberside for a while. For a while, it's now gone. So East Yorkshire is a fairly big chunk of Yorkshire, actually, but probably less populated. I don't know, I suppose North Yorkshire in there as well. It's a very much an agricultural, uh, mainly agricultural, with a little bit of industry down where obviously the Humber comes in um, from Hull through Brough to Goole. Um, again, interestingly, obviously, where we come from, Malton and Norton was traditionally on the old border of the East and North Riding. So Malton was the north side of the river, and that was always in the North Riding. And Norton was on was on the East Riding. Um, again, that's changed slightly now because they've moved they moved the boundary to Carrow with North Yorkshire. Um, takes in um, quite a lot of the seaside towns, so Bridlington, Hornsey, Withensea on that East Coast. So some link there as well. And then some very nice uh, market towns like Driffield and Beverly. And that's kind of what we'll talk about here as well as we go through it. So certainly for us was um, certainly somewhere we would go. Um, I think when we were kids, Nick, probably Hull was the big city. We probably we never went yeah. to Leeds. Hull was probably where we'd go, wasn't it? If we were going Christmas shopping or something, it was always go- we always went to Hull. Um, yeah. Which was, for us was a 40-mile drive, as Nick mentioned, over the Yorkshire Wolds, which Wolves. are a very nice bit of the country. Again, not... not um, not a massive tourist or not probably well known as other areas, but lots of uh, lovely rolling landscape, big vistas. Nick mentioned there. Um, what's his name? The artist. David Ockney. David Ockney doing those those images of it. The trees um, and the, the silhouettes against the land, the, uh, the horizon, the landscape. And obviously fantastic country for growing things like barley um, and wheat, which is why brewing has always been very much part of it. And in fact, we still do have two fairly large maltsters, um, one two in the north in Napton, which is just halfway between uh, Malton and Scarborough, uh, and a bigger one just out, I think Munster's just, Munster's just outside Bridlington, which I think is one of the biggest malting um, processors in the country. Uh, a lot of, as well in the town centre. Yeah. And a lot of theirs obviously goes out and is, uh, is is used to brew most of our beer in the UK, which is interesting as well. So we've, talked, we've probably got two routes here that we probably would talk about, uh, which ties a bit with our geography really as well. Um, the route that we've, we've most used is the north-south route, where you start from Scarborough or more likely Seema, because that's where the kind of the, the railway splits. Um, Seema is just a little village outside of Scarborough where the, the York line splits into the whole line. Um, and that kind of brings you down the coast um, for the first half and then, and then dives in country and picks up Driffield and Beverly. Uh, and then the folk like Bruce coming maybe from York or Leeds, uh, you come on that uh, west to east route, which takes mm-hmm. you via Selby and then into Hull as well. So um, the route north to south is the one that the three of us have probably done the most. So we'll, we're going to focus mainly on that. And I think Bruce, you're being honest, it's probably more to do and see on that that coastal route, isn't there, with all yeah, those, those stop, yeah. stops? Oh, yeah, um, I mean, you know, there's valleys where to stop. Uh, Bempton, you could jump off and go see the, uh, the colony of all the puffins and things there. It's about 25 minutes away from the station. That's quite brilliant thing to do, isn't it? Mm, yeah, so, yeah, much more scenic, undoubtedly. Um, uh, not being, I mean, Selby's got some instances, hasn't it? And I say, the other thing we should possibly consider as well is, at the end of this, is maybe chucking in the alternative of the bus to Hull from York, stopping off on route because there's some great stops on there, isn't there? 
Yeah, and we're looking about an hour and 25 minutes if you went from Scarborough to Hull direct via the train, and then Leeds to Hull's about an hour. So I guess York's a bit less than that, is it? About 40 minutes, something like that. Um, yeah. And work it through. So we'll, we'll quickly just mention the kind of York Leeds to Hull route and talk uh, mainly, I think we'd probably reckon that Selby is the only place probably to jump off um, and look at some of the, the pubs that are in there. Uh, Trans Pennine do the route from Scarborough to Hull. Uh, I think they probably do the route as well, do they? From yeah, Transpan Express. Sorry, Northern. Um, Northern, Northern from York to Hull, isn't it? Yeah, to, yeah. to work it through there. Um, the shiny new trains. They keep the oldest, the last remaining oldest trains in the fleet for the poor old Hull line. I'm sure, the people are well yeah. fed up. They've <laughs> got the ancient trains on that one. And so, so we mentioned if you're coming from the west, then probably Selby somewhere where you want to stop off. If you're coming from the north, then we probably recommend. We would have talked about Bridlington, and we will in a minute, but it's probably not worth stopping there now. And we'll come on to that. Probably suggest that you stop off maybe in Driffield, and possibly and definitely in Beverly. Um, and then depends if you want to see the seaside or not. Yeah, well, you see the sea from the train, don't you, for the first bit, and then. Um, mm, not really. Coming past the KCOM Stadium. Well, you do when you go to Filey, don't you? You can't miss the sea. Uh, well. KCOM Stadium, you come past that, and then you come into the Paragon Station, which I always think is a fantastic station hall, and a See. jaunty statue of the Port Laureate, Philip Larkin waving at you, um, who was the librarian, I understand, hall for a while. Um, so it's in terms... Briefly, was very miserable, apparently, as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I've suggested that if you're going to stop off, then Selby might be the place. Now... Again, we've probably not been there lots and lots of times. Um, there are three pubs listed in the Good Beer Guide. Um, and I'll be honest and say, I don't think I've been to any of these three pubs because they're all fairly new. So I'm hoping that maybe Bruce may recognise them. And if not, we can certainly, I've, I've got some notes at top of Yeah, I've, I've, I've been to the doghouse on the Jack Bell Club. Yeah, doghouse is great because it really gave people who sell me an outlet to go and get a real a good choice of real ale and craft beers. It's got a great little vibe in there. Uh, yeah. The Bellflower is a town, it's an old furniture shop. So it's big, yeah. it's roomy, it's quite airy. You can see that from there. Um, yeah, and it's uh, uh, as weather spoons go, it's one of those, you know, the shop shop transformation, but they made it a lot more colourful. Uh, invested a lot more than some of the shop transformations they do. Yeah. I remember being in Bournemouth a couple of years ago, they transformed a shop, and God, it was black carpets, black walls. <laughs> but the Bellflower's really. Uh, Quite fun. And of course, the other one to mention as well is uh, the uh, Cricketers. That's the uh, Seoul Sam Smith's pub in uh, Selby Town Centre. It's a big, long, narrow pub um, and gets, again, lots of characters. Possibly since they put a pound in every pint, I dare say lots of those have uh, moved the business to the giant Bellflower. Yeah. But the Cricket's just be a cracking pub. I mean, Selby's quite a well-heeled town, isn't it? I always, I always felt it's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a strange town, I guess. It's kind of don't know it's a bit in between i mean google says it's a market town um, in north yorkshire uh it's 14 miles of south on the river ooze with a population of around about fourteen thousand. um and in fact i didn't know this it was actually in the west riding till 1974 uh history around shipbuilding obviously being on the uh, on the ooze and being the isle of white ferry the the isle of white ferry i believe is uh, still uh, the one that's running now the bigger one the slower one that was still built, was built. at uh, shipyard in selby yeah yeah um and um transport and agriculture so we mentioned molten barley so again i think a lot of molten barley was shifted from selby in the, in the in that bygone days and it sits on quite a large coal field as well and certainly when we were younger uh, coal mining was quite a big thing around this area uh, and linked to that was power generation so there's a massive uh, power generator uh, uh, power station at Drax 
which I know is now, I think they've moved that to biofuel now for obviously yeah, Cole's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember playing rugby there. They came up with a school or a club, but there's a rugby pitch right next to those cooling towers. And it was always like a microclimate. It was like playing in Hong yeah, Kong because yeah. it was obviously all the steam coming out of those towers. Um, and I think, you know, that was a fairly, I think that generated something like a fifth or a sixth of most of the of England's energy at one point. Yeah, the three, the three uh, power stations, uh, Drax, uh, uh, Egbert and Ferry Bridge, used Egg to, Bridge. the three sisters, yeah. used to generate 7% of uh, England's power. Egbert has been uh, decommissioned, I think, now, hasn't it? Well, they're all coal-based, weren't they? So, yeah. um, it's a fairly compact town. Again, those that are watching on YouTube, the, the Abbey kind of dominates the centre of the town. It's a nice town in that there aren't many big buildings, so the, the, the Abbey just stand out, doesn't it? There, you know, there are there are any high-rise um, oh, yeah. skyscrapers, well, not skyscrapers, but you know what I mean, office blocks. Yeah. Um, and it also had a swing bridge, which, uh, sorry, the Abbey actually, I'm trying to mention this, Abbey was built in something like 1067, 1068, so it's, it's Norman. Uh, and was very, one of the first ones that obviously William the Conqueror and people built. And then I remember it because it, it famously had a toll bridge um, across the Ouse, right. and it was a privately owned toll bridge, and it used to cost you seven pence to go either way. And so it used to be a massive traffic jam trying to get through Selby because there used to be these blokes stood in the middle of the bridge, and you had to stop and wind your window down and find seven pence. Um, and apparently that continued until 1990, I think it continued. Um, and then they built, they did build a new bypass uh, in 2004, and I think in the end the council bought out whoever owned the uh, the swing. I think there's one of those left actually. It, it's similar because obviously Hull and Liverpool are quite closely linked um, across the M62, and there is still it's not in Liverpool. It's actually it's on the um, it's on the Manchester Ship Canal. There is still a similar swing bridge, a place called Barton, where you still have to pay a toll to go over that bridge. It's always famous because whenever they shut the M6 and and you can't go to the Thelwell Viaduct, you have to go via Barton. And again, there's always massive queues. And um, the locals keep um, petrol bombing the little kiosk because it just means that people living on that road just get absolutely snarled up. So um, every now and then they just burn down the kiosk and they can't take <laughs> So Peel, Peel, Peel Ports now own that bit of the ship canal. So that was interesting as well. So yeah, the three pubs that are listed the Good Beer Guide, we kind of mentioned. There's number one, the Crescent, which is again a fairly new com- uh, conversion. Just reading my notes now here as well. And that's actually an old mill brewery. Um, it was, it was, oh. actually, this was yeah. a pub. It was the Albion Vaults, apparently, which I think I probably have been in when it was yeah, that. Yeah, but it's, Albion, yeah. it's now one of the few, well, not one of the few, I think it's about 15 Old Mill Brewery pubs. And I'm just going to come on that in a minute because Old Mill, again, is certainly a brewery that in the good old days we used to uh, drink quite a bit of. Yeah. We just mentioned the Weatherspoon, which is called the Giant Bellflower, which apparently is a very rare plant, which is found on the banks of the Ouse, which again was news mm. to me. And Selby has some famous ex-botanist, a guy called Thomas Johnson, who first who first saw it. And then Bruce has mentioned the Doghouse Craft Beer Cafe, uh, which again is uh, the town tap for a local farm brewery called uh, Little Black Dog, which again makes some quite interesting beers as well. So um, I think most of the write-ups call the Doghouse very quirky, Bruce. Which is kind of what the writer, which yeah, I mean, what you said, wasn't really. Nice. It's got a real good vibe. I'm saying the cricketers has a real, you know, traditional feel to it. I'd definitely recommend looking at the cricketers, the Sam Smith probably. So probably out. worth jumping off, having a quick walk around the marketplace, look at the Abbey, and then there's, I think most of those bars I mentioned are pretty much on that central area, aren't they, around the Abbey or just off the Abbey? Um, so just talk a little bit about Old Mill because it's again it's one of those breweries that a lot of people may not have come across. 
Um, Snaith is an interesting place. It's about halfway between Hall and uh, Pontefract down the M62. And as we mentioned, um, malting was very big in this area. And it actually, the brewery is based in an old malting mill. Um, and I was, this quite amazed me, really. They, they're fairly, well, not newish, but they were set up in 1983. So interesting that they were, they're quite a traditional brewery, but actually, you know. Very traditional, yeah. 40 yeah. years old, you know, so they're actually quite new in a way. Um, the Old Mill Bitter, I think, is a really good example of a mm. proper balanced English bitter. But I'm really amazed that they, they have about five think, permanent beers, but then they seem to do a seasonal beer every month. And that kind of ranges from um, Strawberry Blonde, obviously, in the summer, to Santa's Midnight Moonshine. And they've just finished doing their January, which is called Black Jack, which, again, apparently is quite a nice beer um, and very, you know, very seasonal. Um, I noticed that they don't do anything over 5%, so Black Jack is as strong as at 5%. But most of their beers are 3, 9, 4. So, you know, that kind of lower end. Um, and interesting because I can remember getting, I can, I really used to enjoy um, the old, old mill um, bitter. I think it was often probably the guest beer that you'd have in some of the pubs that we used to go into. Um, you know, like a yeah. tetanus pub probably would have this as, as, as their guest beer. Um, but well, that, that, that ABV that you're talking about is normally traditional brewers. Yeah, yeah. It's only because of the craft brewers now doing 5.5, 6, 7%. That you know, you think, oh, around about three point eight to four point five is 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 rare. It's yeah. it's not. I mean, going back ten years before the craft brewers were around, that was the ABV of most beers, apart from if they was doing a special darker beer, really. Yeah, and I suppose that was part of that kind of workers' beer, wasn't it? You, you couldn't, you know, you didn't want anything yeah. too strong. You wanted to quench your thirst. So a three point nine percent bitter. Um, or we or we mentioned bolt make. I mean, bolt make is actually technically a mild. Same idea, wasn't it? It was a good beer. You could drink quite a bit of it. Uh, you know, if you had to get to work tomorrow morning, and um, like you say, you're not drinking some seven, eight, nine percent stuff in a in a uh, in a small can. So yeah, all yeah. Because I mean, work. landlord, landlord was strong. I remember when we first started going out Keithley, and it was a case of right, this is probably going to be the strongest beer we have all day, and that yeah. was what four point three, oh, and that's four point one. So it's it's not yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, we're, I think a nice a nice brewery again. It'd be a great place for us to maybe trip there. I don't think again, it's one of those you probably have to drive to. Uh, I think no, they have. The thing, no, you can get the if you go to uh, Selby. Actually, you can get the uh, train out towards kind of Google. every hour, and it'll take yeah. you right through the middle of the city. It's a lovely, lovely little town, but bizarrely, yeah. only has about two trains a week. Uh, yeah. Stop, I think, on a Saturday. And they have about fourteen pubs. Not little millies. They have a bizarre. Um, they do have a bizarre approach to the pubs they buy. That they seem to have a some of the big old roadhouse pubs uh, in South Yorkshire. They bought me and Nick saw one in Rotherham, didn't we? And then they've got another. It's very on in Mexborough, uh, these huge, huge pubs, and even though they take them yeah. over, these I suppose initially maybe thought, well, there's room to expand, maybe put rooms, uh, but these vast places. And I'm quite surprised to see that the one in Selby there, the present, because that's so unlike it's quite uh, different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and this one, this one, how many is there in your bus? Is just the one near you, uh, just the Victoria now, yeah, that's a yeah, lovely Victoria. pub, one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think they have one in Chesterfield as well, I read, and then like you say, many South Yorkshire. Uh, yeah. West Yorkshire, and then and then a few. So at least, at least two in Hull. Certainly, uh, when you're going on the Bevy Road, there's at least sort of like Corner Street boozers. There's at least one I can think of, and they used to have the um, Siemens the Mission. Old, it's Siemens Mission, yeah. But you reckon it's closed now? Well, it was last time I was there. Yeah, that right. was a, I mean, that was a cavernous building, wasn't it? It was massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So worth looking for that. If you see those beers and certainly if you see their, uh, their bitter, I'd definitely recommend having a drink of that one. So if we then, let's focus on that north to south uh, journey. So for us, we'd probably, we'd be getting the train from Moulton or York. And like I said, we'd get off at SEMA and then we'd wait for the, the whole whole band train. Um, if you're starting from Scarborough, then quite handily, you've got the uh, Scarborough, uh, is it the head of SEMA? No, Scarborough, is it Scarborough Tap or head of steam at Scarborough? Always get confused. Wait, it's on the station. Yeah. <laughs> it's a place you can buy beer on the station. Um, and if you're there in good time, you can maybe go up to Stumble Inn, which is a little bit further up from yeah. the station, which is probably recommend that. Is there? 10 minute walk maximum. I think there's probably a train about every hour as well, isn't there, on that route? Um, yeah, throughout yeah, the day. Double the uh, frequency as well, yeah. yeah. More than that, I would have thought Northern Rail, yeah. So we would suggest that you probably miss out Filey, unless, like Nick said, you want to see the sea. Filey's quite a nice, quite an old fashioned uh, seaside town. Uh, there are a couple. I think there's a couple of new micro bars opening up, but nothing mm. that's probably worth. And it's a bit of a trek from the station to get down to the kind of front, isn't it? And then again, Scar- uh, Fowley's a bit weird because most of the town's like up on the top, and then you've got to get down onto the, the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, Brid, we are we, we are going to talk about because obviously it's an interesting old sea town, and it did have a, a fantastic station buffy. But we'll come back at that in a minute. So. The line then swings in after Brid and goes towards Driffield, comes in landing to the walls. Driffield, definitely worth getting out of Driffield. Again, it's fairly compact. And then definitely Beverly is a must. Um, yeah. And again, we'd probably suggest if you were coming from York or Leeds, Bruce, maybe stop at Selby, get into Hull, but then go out to Beverly yeah, and, an hour, an hour, and then come back into Hull and do that way because it's probably worth doing that as well. So Bridlington, which I think, well, we've, we've learned through Brexit, is the lobster capital of Europe. Apparently, I didn't know that, but there we go. Um, crabs. Lo- lots of crabs and well, lobster. Famous for crabs. Um, a little bit of a faded, I don't know, it's kind of coming back a little bit. It's quite a lot of work going on the promenade. Um, quite a big resort. Again, a little bit like Scarborough. It's got kind of north bit and a south bit, which are quite different. The north bit is a bit more lively, like it is in Scarborough. The south bit is a bit more genteel with the spa and then long, fairly quiet, empty beaches. Um, most of the town is huddled around the harbour, which again is quite a big harbour, quite a, quite a busy harbour. Um, and as we said, it used to have a fantastic station buffet, one of the only two remaining proper Georgian buffets, the one being at Staley Bridge, which I'm sure we'll talk about next week. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, no longer. Um, the landlady who had been there for 28 years uh, sold up, um, wanting to retire. The railway company, I'm not quite sure who it is with Network Rail, wanted to redevelop the station. Um, so didn't want the lease to carry on for anybody else. So um, that came to an end and all the fantastic stuff inside them was sold up at auction. And I've not been there for a while, but I don't know whether you what's happening to it now. Is there anything happened to it? I've or? not been for a couple of years. I mean, it's a yeah. shame because it's fitted so well to the station. The staff... Uh, also keep rid of the station, wash with flowers in summer, don't they, Nick? And yeah, yeah. I'm just sad that they had that. She'll have, she'll have had a good retirement because I did follow the auction online. Yeah. And the stuff went for a hell of a price. You always expect the railway Ionia stuff to go, but literally everything. Uh, I was interested in a couple of bits and blimey. Uh, one of the best auctions, most successful auctions I've yeah. seen in a long time for all that sort of memorabilia stuff. So at least she's uh, she should be having a good retirement now. So I've got a couple of pictures up on, again, for those on YouTube. Uh, luckily, I think me and Nick, we probably got there just before it closed, wasn't it, in 2019? So this is probably, I think this is probably about this time of year or maybe Easter. Uh, mm. And we managed to get there and it 
it was mm, it felt a bit like it was on its last legs then as well, wasn't it? The the um, beer the beer wasn't good. It was obviously been sat in the pumps overnight, and yeah. I, it's one of those situations again. She knows probably that she should pull a pint off, but then she's saying, "Well, that's a pint down the drain, and that's a pound pound fifty worth of profit." Uh, us being strangers, you probably thought, "Well, they won't know any difference," but it wasn't great, I'm afraid. So it was a two-roomed, um, uh, listed, greater listed. It was built in 1912, um, a split bar. So there's a bar kind of on either side. Um, one bar, I think, focused on beer, which is the one that I've not got a picture of there. And then the one we've got was the food side of the bar. Two rooms, quite similar, um, very kind of traditional. And as Nick said, lots of stuff up on the walls there, uh, memorabilia, brewery mania stuff. Um, and a little bit of kind of, you know, time forgot, wasn't it? It was... Mm-hmm. Um, people called in there on the, uh, you know, when they're popping in or going to the station. I think quite a few people went there as a bit of a trip, you know, they wanted to tick off a bit of a tick off one to go yeah. in there. Normally, had a couple of beers, Nick, didn't it? I think probably World Top, yeah. we would probably drink at the time. Um, yeah. So, a bit of a shame, really. So, uh, anyway. You'd have been um, more of a campaign to save it, really, wouldn't you? I think I think there was, but I think I, th- I, th- I presume it was Network, Network Rail were adamant that they wanted to redevelop the station, but. You know, I think people went to Burlington because that, especially this time of year, because of, because of this, wasn't it? Because it was well known. And if you'd been to Staley Bridge and you'd probably want to say, well, I want to go to the other one, which is Bridlington. So there we go. So in terms of the beers or the bars that you've got in Brid, and again, Brid's got a little bit of a split because you've got the kind of the, the touristy bit or the holiday makers bit, which is down, as I mentioned, down by the uh, harbour. And then you've also got the Old Town, which is, I don't know, probably about a mile from the from the yeah. seafront, is it a bit higher yeah. up as you kind of come in? At least, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could, it's, it's, it'd be a long walk, wouldn't it? It'd be a long walk from, say, mm. the harbour. So, again, jump on a buzz, um, or you can from the station. The station's about halfway, probably. Uh, and the old town you may recognize from the recent or the, the most recent Dad's Army film, um, because it, it was the it, it was Warmington on Sea yeah. in that uh, that film that had quite a few famous people in it, didn't it? Um, and the board in, which is on the main high street of the old town, uh, was the one that featured, and they seem to have had quite a lot of money, and they've just refurbed it all. So I guess it was quite lucrative being in Dad's army. Um, <laughs> the ones that we would more main focus on around the harbour, you've got quite a nice John, uh, qu- sorry, quite a nice Weatherspoons, um, which uh, is the Prior John, which is named after John de Twang, who was the medieval the Prior at the medieval monastery. Um, it's quite a compact spoon, isn't it, Nick? But no, they've just expanded that because there was yeah. an old chapel next door, uh, Wesleyan Chapel or something like that. So they've actually bought and knocked through. A bit like I mentioned, they'd done in Keithley, uh, where they bought the property next door and knocked through into it. So I've not been since they knocked through. So once again, I don't know whether they made that stop like an indoor outdoor beer garden. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll have doubled the size of the uh, the original, the existing uh, uh, offering, as it were. And I think just be careful because there are quite a few pubs in Britain that look like Weatherspoons, but they're not, aren't they? There's quite a lot of kind yeah, of that's right. carbon yeah, copies. Yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah, which obviously for the tourist trade. And um, so it's always fairly busy that. It's just off the kind of main shopping area. Um, there's quite a few good pubs just as you come up from the harbour, or traditional pubs. Um, the newest, the one that camera kind of ranked is called the Stack House, which is down a little bit of an alleyway. Uh, but again, always gets a fantastic write up. That's just up from the harbour. And then quite a weird one, but is the Marine Bar, which is part yeah. of the expansion hotel. This is up on the North Promenade, which you'd never really think there'd be a real hill pub there. Oh, really? But actually, it's not bad, actually. And if it's a nice, and there's a picture there I've got on there. If it's a nice sunny day, you can sit outside, you can look over the North Bay 
all the way around to um, uh, Flamborough, Flamborough Head and Danes Dyke. It's a quite a nice place to go. And Nick, when we've been in there, they've had a, normally had a pretty good range of beers, haven't they? And been pretty full as well. And I think they do a camera discount. I think last time me and you yeah. went in, I'm sure yeah. I used my camera card to get the discount in there. So, yeah. Uh, and you can park, if you've driven up there, you can park literally outside as well, which is quite useful uh, up on there. I think you get three hours parking if you've got one of those discs as well. And then this the one I've got on here is the old shipping, which if I remember rightly is kind of up from head towards the old town. Uh, mm. And this is, this again is a camera listed pub. It's in the GBG. Uh, I've also got a lot of Sutcliffe photos and Sutcliffe was a Victorian photographer. Um, again, if you've been to Whitby, you'll probably have seen his photos. And this pub's got a lot of Sutcliffe photos of Whitby and of Bridlington as well. So worth popping in as well. So I think it's, you know, if, if, you, if you've got time to spare, if it's a summer's day where you've got plenty of time, um, maybe slightly before lunchtime, so it's not too busy with the, all the holiday makers, um, jump off, look, kind of, you know, walk past the old buffet bar with a little bit of a remorse and then maybe jump into a couple of these pubs and then get back on the train. See the seaside, buy a stick of rock. Yeah. Dress crab. And as we mentioned, what then happens if the dog, the the, uh, the train or the rail swings then in, and the first next point of call is Driffield. Uh, and Driffield is kind of the agricultural centre, I think, of East Yorkshire. Um, the Queen of the Walls, the Queen of the Walls, I like to call it. Queen of the Walls. And actually, a, quite a few people call it all, it's, it's referred to as Great Driffield as well, which again is... Uh, you know, one of those little suffixes that kind of make you feel even better as well. Um, place that we'd kind of pass through a little bit. Um, probably, again, we'd probably go through it on the way through to uh, other places. You probably wouldn't go there just for, you know, an afternoon. We'd probably go to Beverly instead. But I think it's got, got a bit going for it. Um, and again, I think for, I've, I've put my notes here, for a town with 13,000 population, it's got 14 pubs. Listed by cameras, what pub? <laughs> so it's you know it's 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 doing something right. Um, yeah. They don't all get fantastic writers, but there's plenty of pubs in Driffield. So again, worth worth dropping off um, and worth having a trip around as well. Uh, again, Spoons is okay, Nick. That's probably where you've probably drank the most, I think, recently, which is the yeah. Benjamin Fawcett, which I think is a. It's I've got a picture of it somewhere there. It's Apparently, it was a licensed premises before. It looks quite new, but I think it's probably older than it looks. Uh, no, it's, it, it certainly wasn't a traditional pub. I think it was some sort of a supermarket or something like that at one point. could have even been a co-op because yeah. um, you've got the car park behind it. Um, interesting aviation stuff in there. I can't remember which manufacturers it was. Uh, could have been uh, Blackburn, uh, but it's Bits of aircraft and a lot of um, line drawings in there. So as Tim Mike likes to do, he likes to put local history into a lot of his pubs. So if you're interested in military aviation, then uh, yeah, it's worth popping in. And then obviously this area of the world was quite a big, had quite a big pattern in World War II. A bomber, a lot of bomber airports were the air, airports. On the um, coast, Lissit, places like that. Uh, bombers that were struggling to get back over the channel. They had emergency landing strips all down that way, Carnaby. They also used uh, FIDO, which was a fog dispersal system where they had um, pipelines of petroleum down either side of the airstrip and they would set it alight if it was foggy and the heat from the burning petroleum would lift the fog off the, air, lift the, fog off the airfield. Uh, so it was known as FIDO. So, yeah, a lot of 
majority of them are disused now. There are a couple of private ones still knocking around. Yeah. But the majority of the airfields have gone back to what they were before, grass fields and things like that. Uh, and again, just again, just, just for Weatherspoon trivia, uh, Benjamin Fawcett apparently was a 19th century wood block, wood block colour printer. And he's very famous for the wood block pictures of birds that he did for quite a lot of those, like those, mm. those fancy Victorian, you know, nature books. He did quite a lot of that as well. Um, the Butcher's Dog is a fairly new one. That is a, a one-room micropub with, I think, a good reason. I think, Nick, you and my dad have been in there, which you weren't... Yeah, I, I, felt, sorry, I felt sorry for the owners, actually, because, yeah, it's, it's ironic that uh, normally it's dad who, who brings the sons up on, on what drink they're going to have, but, in fact, we weaned... Me and Mike weaned our dad onto Real Ale. Um, he was a maybe a little drop of John Smith or Sam Smith, or it was all keg stuff anyway, and uh, gave him the taste for the Real Ale, so... We popped in there just for a quick one. So I had a pint, he had a half. It is, it, it's an old butcher's shop, so it isn't big inside. You can probably get about 12 to 16 people sat down. We walked in and the spot was just about full. We got the last table for two people. In the space of time it took me to drink my pint and he drank his half pint, all the other folks weren't really engaged in conversation. They were either singles or couples. A lot of them were sat there reading hugging half and half pint and I said to my dad as we walked out I said well in half an hour that last behind the bar has taken four quid off us I said all the rest of them are sat in there enjoying the ambience and enjoying the heating but they're basically not drinking not spending any money I said her wage and the overheads um, if it hadn't been for us certainly wouldn't have been covered uh, and I think that's the problem with some of these little micro pubs nowadays is that, yeah, the, the owners do work hard to, to try and make them, you know, almost a community base, as it were. But I think people who go in there, you know, come on, play the game, at least spend a five or a tenner, you know, over a couple of hours and don't just go and buy half a pint and sit and read a book for an hour and a half and, and, and make it last all day sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt sorry for him. But, uh, yeah, I'll certainly go back in there again when I'm, when I'm in Driffield again. Well, I think the thing is, you need to go on a Sunday because apparently on a Sunday they offer a free cheese board, and I've got a nice little picture there on the oh, YouTube right. one. So apparently, you can just help yourself. Um, you go in there, and and uh, they they put them free. But yeah, you know, it's nice. I do just get people to go in there and have a drink as well. So. All the people you'll be talking about, Nick, have Tupperware boxes when they're back. Yeah, to, yeah. Like, yeah. The picture all the cheese. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a picture of the bell. Then the bell is quite certainly what I've been in the bell. The bell's quite a large uh, old coaching inn that dominates the kind of... And I always felt it was a bit of a, like... I always thought it's one big long street, which it's not now. There's a bit more... There's a supermarket, isn't there, on the, on the main street there? But it always feels like one of those kind of, you know, long, thin street ones. So... Uh, and the Bell has got quite a nice bar uh, with some of the old... I think it's got the smoke room kind of uh, uh, glass and stuff. And apparently they're very good with whiskeys. They have lots of $100, $100 whiskeys in there as there's well. There's a sort of culture in uh, Yorkshire market towns, isn't there? The yeah. has been used by everybody and... Been sort of a sense of and I think that hotel's been done up quite a bit. I know it's got quite a nice spa mm. if you look on the uh, the thing. It would be quite a nice place to be if, you, if, if that's the weekend. Quite a nice place to stop, really, because Driffield's, I suppose, quite good because you're halfway between kind of Hull, Scarborough, so it's not a bad place to stop off, really. Um, but it's a bit infamous, Driffield, because uh, in uh, Ian Merchant's The Longest Crawl, which we perhaps probably need to just have a quick chat about. So this was a book that Ian Merchant, who was a kind of a... Uh, ex-punk rocker, journalist kind of guy, wrote this book back in 2007 about a month-long pub crawl. 
uh, where he and his mate Perry started off in the Sicil, the Isles of Sicilia, the Isles of Scilly, um, and travelled all the way up through the UK and ended up in Shetland, um, drinking at the furthest pub north he can in the United Kingdom. Um, and it's an interesting book. It, it, it a little bit frustrates me. There's no index in it, so you can't kind of look and say what they say about this. Um, and it, I guess it's less of a beer guide, more of a uh, I don't know, a journey through England, really, in pub culture. Road um, tripping, yeah, a bit yeah. of information. But inf- infamously, he went to Driffield, um, and he, they stayed in the on the way to uh, Leeds, uh, and they stayed in the Bell, uh, and the, the lady there, the receptionist, um, she recommended three pubs, and the three pubs she recommended were the Tiger, which is still there, um, which I think was a Sam Sist, maybe had been a Sam Smith, but when this book was written. Uh, apparently that pub was empty, um, and in fact, some of the local, some of the more recent TripAdvisor trips say it's always empty, uh, but it isn't. The, it is in in Watts Pub, uh, the Full Measure, which they didn't stay very long because it was full of schoolboys, uh, not just schoolboys, but schoolboys that's in school uniform uh, and not dressed up for a <laughs> school disco. They were literally 14, 15 year olds probably drinking. And then the final pub that was 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 um, advising was the Star. And as they walked into the star, which again is still there now, it's around the corner from the bell, they came across a domestic, a young man uh, threatening his girlfriend by the throat. Um, and they intervened and, and Ian Merchant got into a fight with this guy um, and, you know, got him off this young lady. And in the end, the young the bloke was carted away um, by the police. Um, so it's quite an inf- Driffields gets quite infamous, really, in this book here, really. So again, maybe- farmers, farmers, lads for you. Yeah, so the longest crawl again. If you're into, you know, it, you can get. I think you can get one for three quid. That I looked on Amazon at the moment, so it's not a bad read. Um, and it kind of does what we've talked a little, what we're talking about in a kind of a, you know, in a, in a more kind of uh, monthly thing. And certainly, it's got some nice little uh, information. Again, there's quite a nice bit on Burton. They they go to Burton, and they spend a lot of time eating pot scratchings after visiting the pot scratching factory uh, somewhere in the West Midlands. So. Um, hey, you're, you you talking about food, Mike, and cheese and biscuits? You just reminded me. Remember our our first uh, episode when we talked about the Christmas present that you got me? Oh yeah, the Open Shores. Yeah, uh, I think they run run out best before um, this month. So whilst you keep talking, I'm just going to go and get myself a little snack. You better eat them, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and again, Bruce, I need you, oh, I, we, I need to go back one, Bruce, because I've also been putting on our write ups for these. Um, Underneath the pubs for each town, I've also started to put Bruce's recommendations for food. So Driffield, an area is quite famous for Stewart's of Driffield and their, their mm. fish and chip shop. So I think you can heartily recommend Stewart's of Driffield, uh, yeah, Bruce? That's, that's the flagship branch, isn't it? They are really, really good. Uh, I've also, I've never tried it, but I'm told that the Bell Hotel's famous for its uh, steak and ale pie as well. All right, okay. So Stewart's of Driffield, they've got quite a few fish and chips uh, across the area, haven't they? Probably go. Yeah, there's one in Malton, isn't there? Malton, yeah, Wang, uh, Bridlet, and Brid. they are very yeah. exceptional good quality to get a chance to try and, them. And yeah. Nick is just showing his his open shores plowman's lunch in a in a in a uh, packet. Um, delicious again. anytime it says anytime <laughs> delicious. Right, so let's it, have a look inside. Bringing the cellar bar alive. Let's <laughs> lock some music now. So don't forget to explain this to the podcast listeners, Nick. So the. You can right, okay, so I've got it's the size of a crisp bag. It's, it's Plowman Lunch Snack Pack, so I've opened it up. We have got a two-pack of uh, cream crackers. We have a triangle of happy cow cheese. 
Now, this particular bag is very, very moist because the silver skin pickled onions that you get oh are always drenched in vinegar. And I've just opened it on myself and I'm covered in vinegar now. <laughs> uh, but they do provide you with a little plastic oh, knife good, yeah. to spread your cheese with. Uh, but I can tell this particular uh, snack is going to be very, very vinegary. But anyway, hey ho, let's carry on and uh, we'll we'll dig into it. So, yes, keep chatting and I'll. So, show so you whenever the, the pubs reopen, look out for them. We definitely know they're selling the Titanic, uh, the Greyhound. Certainly have those behind the bar there. Um, not seen them, not seen that often in pubs, but uh... I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's Driffield. So we get back on the train from Driffield, and the next stop is Beverly. Uh, and I think this is a must. This is a bit of a beer mecca. And, and yeah, to be honest with you, I would say if you if you can um, book a hotel in Beverly, uh, spend you know maybe use that as your home as your overnight stop. Uh, might not be as cheap as maybe stopping outside Hull. Um, I don't think there's a travel lodge or a Premier Inn. In no, Beverly. they haven't got anything like that yet. No, no they're quite old. Premier, Premier Inn opened in Beverly about uh, oh, there is, yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right. Okay. And well, there you go. Then. Down, so you got no excuse. Station. Yeah. Down in the station. Oh, the other one is Thwaites of uh, Thwaites don't. I don't think. Yeah, Thwaites do brew, but they've moved into pubs and hotels now. So right. they took over one of the big hotels that was really on its last legs. Um, so they've taken that over and made it very nice now. Uh, not cheap, but uh, if you want to treat yourself, then there's the uh, the Thwaites hotel. In, I think in if Beverly you want, well. if you want a pub experience, you've got to sit in the White Horse Nellies at closing time uh, in Beverly. Uh, and then walk back through those fantastic medieval streets uh, mm. back to where you are. Um, I've always stopped in the Lairgate Hotel, which is just off the behind the marketplace, which is a quite a nice little hotel, and had a nice little bar that you can always go to as well. So Beverly is, again, I think if Driffield is the, whatever, the queen of the worlds, then I think Beverly is the king of East Yorkshire. It's a fantastic oh, yeah. town. Um, a, bit of a bit of everything again, hasn't it? It's got... It's got min minsters, it's got markets, it's got good pubs, it's got a race cars. Sweet and drink, yeah. It's got a yeah, fantastic um, yeah. yeah, medieval common, the wildwood, which again is you know a great great place. Wheatwood, sorry, which is a great place to uh, to go off and a, a, a golf course. The race is a good place there. Um, the races always have real ale on whenever I've been to Beverly Races. They normally have one of the local breweries doing a pop-up there as well, which is great. So all in all, a great place really to go and uh, spend some time. And uh, I always reflect on there because um, when I first left university, I, I actually had a job interview at, on Beverly. Uh, I actually had a whole week of job interviews um, that I kind of lined up. And the first one was in Hull. Then I went to Nottingham. Then I went to Sandbach. Then I came to Stoke. And the day after, I was supposed to be going to Beverly for a job interview for a job teaching at a school in Beverly. Uh, and I... On the on the Thursday, I came to Stoke and I accepted the job at Stoke. And I always wondered if I'd gone to Be Beverly, <laughs> um, would I've got the job in Beverly, yeah. and would I've been living in Beverly now, uh, which is apparently one of those, you know, the Times newspapers best place to live in the in the whole world. So anyway, Probably there we go. It's the most underrated towns, to be fair, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. So few people have been, yet it's got so much to offer. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic, and it really the White Horse Nellies has to be. One of the 10 finest pubs in the country, hasn't it? Yeah. And the Good Beer Guide has got seven listed in Beverly, which I think is, you know, is reflects, but there are loads more pubs in Beverly. And we, we've never even got anywhere near to, uh, I think, you know, getting anywhere around probably more than half of them. Um, so a great place to kind of base yourself, great place to go, um, certainly for a weekend or a night over there as well. 
Uh, loads of character wear. Think think of red pant tiles and snickleways. I put in my notes here, mm. which is what Beverly is, isn't it? Lots of really old, fantastic buildings. Lots of red pant tile roofs. Lots of what we call snickleways in York and, and Yorkshire, little, little passages uh, between streets. Uh, a race course mentioned, uh, and the town sandwiched between two very impressive bits of churchy, which you got St Mary's at the north end of the town, and then you've got uh, the Minster at the south end of the town, a kind of mini York Minster. Um, it was War Beverly, wasn't it? And you've got a few bits, certainly the bar within, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, so yeah. it's got a bit of everything, really. Really nice. Um, a, really, a really good place to go. So I thought we'd start... Uh, well, first of all, the station's quite impressive as well. Um, yeah, it's quite a weird station, isn't it? In that it's it's a, it's only a two-platform station, but it's completely encased in uh, a red brick building. Um, yeah, it so it's always quite a nice place to arrive, isn't it, in Beverly Station? Yeah, it is. It's got the um, open footage there, yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought I'd written something about this station somewhere, but I can't find it now. Um, the entire thing about Beverly is there's nowhere in Beverly looks, there's no way neglected, is there? No parts of it decaying. It's just an incredibly well kept and well preserved town, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, oh, chap, can, you, can you hear me munching on my cream crackers? No, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought we'd start with the L LYs, the Dollies and the Nellies, which we've yeah. always kind of known, really. So, and they're quite close together. And they, these are towards the north end of the town. Um, so if we start with Dollies, which is actually Northwest. Is Royal Standard Inn, which is a small pub, just as you come from what's called, and a fantastic name, it's called the North Bar Within. What a street name. And yeah. again, for those that can see the pictures, I've got a little picture bottom left there. Um, a little bit like one of those mini York um, gates that you get in York wow. in, in the medieval walls of York. There's one of those in Beverly. And just beyond that is a fantastic little, I guess, Georgian streetscape. Um, I think this is that ice cream stock still there, yeah, Bruce? Probably not. Ah, close. Yeah. Ah, right. There'd be a fantastic gelato ice cream place, wasn't there? Just as you went through the it walls. They're now uh, making the ice cream again. They're at Shiptonthorpe in East Yorkshire. You can go to the factory. Ah, right. They've got lots of, but sadly, the. Uh, very famous uh, ice cream shops in almost next door to Royal Standard. That has gone. That was part of the day out, wasn't it? And then the Royal Standard, or we always called it as Dolly's, which I presume was a, an old landlady that was there in the good old days, is the pub on your left-hand side. Um, I always I always feel it's an old Tetley's pub just because it's got some of those kind of old Tetley settings, but I can't confirm that. I've suggested that you do this at either end. You do Dolly's at the start of your Beverly trip, yeah, and you do Nelly's at the end. You need to get in Dolly's early and you need to get in the snug, which is you go to the front door, turn left straight away. And there is a one table little snug, isn't there? Yeah. With, with a bar. And it's one of those classical, which again, I always think a bit like Tetley Pool, a bit like a spotted Gary yeah. Moulton. Um, a, a very small, six, seven people and it's full. So you need to get in there when it's early, when it's just you guys and have a great time. The, bit, the pub outside the, around the back is a bit more disappointing. Still uh, good beers. Uh, but definitely worth popping into the uh, uh, Dolly's, the standard in. So I'm going to leave Nally's because we're going to come back to Nally's because that's the kind of the pièce de résistance, isn't it, of Beverly, really. Oh. And as I say, I think you've got to go to Nally's as it's getting dark because it is still, is it still gas lit in there? Or, or it is, that, yeah, totally yeah. Gas. So they still use gas, gas light and open fires and yeah, no yeah. electric lights apart from behind the bar. That's right. So that's it's always right. pitch. It's pitch dark in the middle of the day. We're honest, isn't it? It's always yeah. the windows are very small, but at night it's just got this atmosphere that you just really can't 
you, you, you couldn't kind of recreate it, you know, yeah. in some kind of dirty yeah, Nelly's like Irish by theme, a Hollywood film uh, lighting person, doesn't it? It's just yeah. astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. The feel yeah. of it, when it's full of people, the, the yeah. old feel of it's just fantastic, isn't it? So if you are walking then from uh, Dolly's towards the marketplace, uh, if you bear left as you get to the large open, again, another fantastic market in Beverly when I think two or three days a week they have a market. Uh, on the left there, we'll go first to the Dog and Duck. Uh, the Dog and Duck is a free house on Ladygate. Uh, it is very red. It was built in 1930 as a John Smith pub. And apparently the same family now have had this for 45 years. It always feels like a, a family type of pub, really. Yeah. And they normally have at least five different cask beers on. Um, and I think, Nick, you, you first probably got me going in the Dog and Duck many years ago. Um, yeah, they always used normally had landlord on and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Expected real guest ales. Yeah. Uh, nice firing on as you're walking through the door, the right-hand side there. Yeah, it's, it's got that 1970s, 80s feel to it, you know, red velour, as it red were. Red velour, and, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, carpets on the floor and stuff like that, not stripped out and shaker-styly. And then if you walk out of that pub and you walk diagonally across the marketplace, if it's not a market day, uh, you'll come to the Green Dragon, which is on the far side of the marketplace. Uh, there is a gold... Uh, uh, post box outside of it for some Beverly Olympian. I think was it a rower or something from Beverly that won the uh, the gold medal? I think in 2012. Anyway, there's definitely a gold um, uh, one of those Royal Mail box outside. Um, and the Green Dragon is a, is that an M and B pub, isn't it? Green Dragon, we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they used to sell um, Nicholson's IPA in there. It's first time I realised it was uh, one of the chains again, and it's it's undergone. Uh, a few metamorphoses again, you know, in terms of, of different, you can always tell with the food menus that yeah. it's it's a chain pub, but uh, always a good range of real ales on in there. Big pub as well, you know, it goes right the way through the back there. And yeah, until Weatherspoons hit town, I would have said the Green Dragon was probably one of the busiest um, pubs uh, in Beverly, certainly on a weekend, you know, with it being on the marketplace there. Uh, I think the Weatherspoons is in the street behind has taken a little bit of their glory now, taking a little bit of the pressure off. But yeah. between them, uh, you know, you've got a, what, 20-yard stagger. And, you know, on a good day, you can expect to have a choice of between them 12, 15 real ales on. So, well, yeah. The website said they have, they have 10 casts on at the Green Dragon, so it's a hell of a hell of a thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, a nice, 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 big black, nice big blackboard behind the bar as well. Always have the blackboard there. As I uh, spoke about a couple of weeks back, that you can see what they've got on. What it is, prices, refamiliarize yourself, you know, even if the pump clips keep changing, at least you can see from a distance, okay, they've got that beer on, um, rather than having to peer over somebody's shoulder to see what the pump clip is. And I think it's, it's, it's as you say, it's a quite a big pub, but lots of different rooms. And I always felt there's always, you can always find somewhere um, that suits you, really, isn't it? The front bar's quite busy. Um, there's a bit of an outdoor bit, isn't it? Like an like a indoor yeah. outdoor bit, isn't there? Yeah. It's, the it's, it's, it's open plan, but there yeah. are different areas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is always quite nice. Uh, and then if you carry on walking through the marketplace and you kind of go into uh, what kind of narrows into kind of a very busy shopping street, uh, the left of that towards the bus station, there is mm. what claims to be Yorkshire's first ever micro pub, which is Checkers, which is in a form of bakery. Um, and it def and this one definitely is a micro pub, isn't it? It literally is. Uh, it looks like <laughs> a sandwich shop. Sandwich shop, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's like a sandwich shop inside, bro. So they've they've yeah. not made... Uh, well, I don't think they've tried to make it like a pub at all. And that's... It is a bit weird. But, yeah, I remember it was there many, many years before, you know, these micro pubs uh, really started to take off. 
Mm, good for them. So, quite small, but again, fantastic range of beers and ciders in there. Uh, it's one of those places where they tap the toilet's kind of behind the curtain kind of place. So, again, yeah. you, you know, you, you get to know everybody in the pub. Um, again, I think when we've been in, the staff behind have been great. Um, you know, what kind of things you've got, do you, do you fancy, what we try, what, try some of this. So, again, well worth popping in and having a drink in there. Maybe having a couple of halves or doing a couple of samples and, you know, trying to sample something different. Um, they always have quite a range on from local breweries, so definitely worth in there. And then if you carry on then and head towards the Minster, which you'll see, again, dominates kind of Beverly's skyline. Again, it's another town where there's no really big buildings above three or four stories, so the Minster dominates. And as you're on the final approach on the left-hand side, there is the Monk's Walk, which, again, is a definitely a, another atmospheric pub that's worth going to. Um, Monk's Walk is a 13th-century merchant's house, uh, a bit of a passageway pub, so you get a passage that goes all the way through the pub, and then there are rooms on the right-hand side of it as well, um, oh. and definitely uh, a visit. Um, and apparently had its own brewery back in the 19th century, but now, again, has a range of Yorkshire beers, and there's a picture of me there just just emerging from the passageway. And I say, if you want to pop in the uh, Minster, this is the closest pub to the Minster, literally, I don't know, 50 yards away from the, the side of the Minster, the Minster door, so... Uh, again, a really good, a really good pub to go to, really, isn't it? As well, is there anywhere else? I'm going to nip and have a pee. Are you? Is there any other pubs in Beverly that you guys have used? used yeah, well, I said there's, 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 there's a Weatherspoons now. Um, I mean, Weatherspoons always wanted to get into Beverly, uh, but it took them a good couple of years, and they took over. I'm not sure whether it was a hotel. In fact, I mean, is it? Is it across Keys, Bruce? Is it the Keys? Uh, but it's, it's just on a street that is parallel to what they call the Saturday market. Yeah, that's uh, a rum pub, isn't it? That's one. Yeah, it's and it's it's not bad again for a Weatherspoons. And in fact, you know, the bars at the bottom end there, this they've got some um, booths with high tables, so mm. nice to get in there. And yeah. um, I mean, there was a place I was like, why, why on earth could you go to Weatherspoons <laughs> when you've got pubs like that to go? Because to. because Bruce, they always. Think. They always have local brews on. They always have World Top on. They always have uh, Great Newsome on. Um, they always have local beers on. Mm. And, you know, at a good price sort of thing. Um, you, you, we've had this discussion before, but you know what you're going to get at Weatherspoons. You know. Um, when, and you can know sit, when you can sit and drink in all that history, Nick, I'd have no desire to go blind Weatherspoon, Tim Martin's. Hey, if, 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 I've, if I've got 50 pence vouchers to use up, Bruce, then I'll, I'll use them, mate. <laughs> right, let's go on to uh, Nelly's then. So again, <clears throat> if you watch, you look at the screen. That's the pub on the top uh, left. Um, again, it's a Sam Smith's pub, so there's not a great deal of signage outside. And in fact, people I know, a lot of people have gone past it what several bike? times and missed it completely. And you've got to look out for a very decrepit old white horse. Uh, it's like a rocking horse, isn't it? Old door, yeah. Uh, and it's probably probably Humphrey's um, rocking horse from when he was a child. <laughs> So this is definitely a pub which, you know, uh, takes you back probably 200 years. As we mentioned, there's no electric lighting. It's all gas lit. Uh, the furniture is, well, let's just say it's wouldn't, you probably wouldn't find an antique shop. Uh, nothing matches. Makes the a match. are um, full of <laughs> clutter. Uh, there's some... Uh, the rooms on the right are just, I don't know what you, they'd probably be a slum, wouldn't they? You know, they'd probably <laughs> condemn. Um, flagstones at kind of weird angles. 
uh, rooms, maybe have one chair in them, and then just so it's it's a it's it's a it's an atmospheric place really. Um, the darker what, and the darker it gets, the more people get in, the better. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's just a, it's yeah. not. It's more an experience to go in the pub. It's almost like a, you'd pay just to go in to experience it, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. And yeah. you Rose, think recently you were going there, you could sit and get a pint of dark mild for £1.34. You'd still get it for £2.09 a pint. But you could get £2 and just immerse yourself in yeah. uh, history, really. You, you were saying about people taking their own food into the butcher's dog roast. I mean, you could cook yourself a meal in there, couldn't you? And the landlord would notice. <laughs> yeah. Use um, the heat from the gas lamps and get yourself in one of them little rooms it's, where nobody uh, ever Full of old, old, I mean, old, I've got a picture of one there, full of old ranges, you know, yeah. literally, like you say, with fires going. Uh, again, I don't know, I've, I probably have drank in all the rooms. I probably still get lost sometimes when you go to the loo. Yeah, yeah. Because you end up in some weird rooms around the back, don't you? You can get lost time, here, you're right, yeah. Last time me and Nick went, there's, there is quite a bit of an area now they've built out the back. A bit of a, I won't call it a beer garden, but there's quite a large area. Um, so you had, you had for the smokers. It does get round because obviously it's on the kind of whole university trip out thing. So certainly in the summer months, uh, it can get very, very busy. You do get there's a the, uh, Upstairs off. as well. Yeah. Upstairs is one big long room and there's like a big fire at the far end with, with sofas, couches. One big bar in the main kind of back bar room, but then it's got a couple of, I don't know whether they use them anymore. It did have some hatches, and that, I usually find you used to get served best at the hatches and trying to get it into did, the yeah, bar. Yeah, absolutely. I um, don't know whether they're still there. So I think it's one of those where you've got to go. You've got to go. It's Nellie's because that was the landlady for many, many years. So certainly all the locals call it Nellie's um, and not the White Horse. So I think it is. It's definitely worth somewhere where I think you've got to go and experience I mean, we, at least we, once in your life. If we manage to get this onto a YouTube channel after lockdown, I mean, the interesting challenge for us is going to be filming it because, of course, Mr. Smith won't allow you to film in any of his pubs, so we're going to have to get some kind of hidden camera to show well, Bruce, it'd be pitch dark anyway. <laughs> You'd just see <laughs> shadowy bits in the background, wouldn't you? Yeah, you um, could walk in there with a full full camera crew and they wouldn't realise. And, I mean, and it's, it's always done good food, though, hasn't it? It's always been quite, again, famous oh, for kind of great plates of kind of, you know, traditional kind of liver and bacon. Yeah, but yeah. literally, you know, trenchermen portions, which again, yeah. you wonder how what what state the kitchen is in a building that looks like it's hasn't changed since about the thirteenth century. Well, no, so. you because you, you, you see the stillage, you see where the barrels are. Uh, yeah. the, the cellar is is, is open. The, the cellar is on ground floor level, and as you go through to the backyard or walk down the corridor where the loos are, uh, you can see the barrels all yeah. uh, all all set up, and the kitchen's just just next to there. <coughs> So it's well worth trying to find out. In fact, the best thing, if you get to the, um, the Dog and Duck, if you carry on down that street from the Dog and Duck, you will get to the White Horse. The St. Mary's Church is over your left-hand shoulder yeah. as you're walking down. If you get yeah. to kind of uh, the busy inner ring road, you've gone too far, uh, retrace your steps and keep looking for that White Horse. Um, so If you get really lost and ask any, have to ask any, any looks for directions, it's no good asking for the White House. No, everybody refers to it as Nellie's. Nellie's, yeah. Just, uh, and I say, my, some of my best nights, I'd be looking. I still, in fact, the, uh, kind of square the circle, the school that I was going to go for that interview with back in 1990, I've actually been back to that school a few times and actually taught uh, master classes for them. Um, and they always put me up in the Lairgate Hotel. Uh, and therefore, me and my mate Johnny Island from Wigan used to spend quite a few hours in there on the night. 
before the night after. <laughs> and I said that that feeling of being in there at closing time, then coming out into uh, you know a beautiful old town and, and wandering through the streets uh, is definitely worth uh, working on. So you then get on the train. In fact, there's a picture there of Nicholas on the train leaving Beverly and Beverly Minster in the background there. Um, he's got a, uh, a can of skunk, uh, a punk IPA there from Brewdog, which uh, more of that maybe a little bit later on when we talk about East Riding. Um, and it's an, I think it's always a lovely little train drive, uh, train journey there. You you leave Beverly, you pass the canal, which kind of comes off use. You then come into suburbs of Hall through Cottingham, which has got a nice, nice uh, leafy part of Hall. I, I think I'd call it the the West End of Hull or the Chelsea of Hull. Um, yeah, yeah. You can't, there is a stop at Cottingham. You could get off there. Uh, there. There are some nice pubs there. They're all quite studenty, aren't they? King, King William, isn't it? King Billy. Yeah, that's yeah. a big student area of the town. A lot of the student Hospi- accommodation Hospitals there. there, big hospital. Hospital as well. Mm. Um, and again, some nice, a couple of nice pubs. But we'd probably stay on and I'd say you get to Paragon Station uh, and there's Nick just leaving uh, the Northern Train there. Um, again, a fantastic station hall. Obviously, mm. not you know only a, a small element of what it used to be, but it's got the uh, ubiquitous uh, hotel attached to station as well, which I think is a bit refurb as well, isn't it? At the moment, um, uh, in a classical uh, Renaissance style, which is uh, again worth worth looking at from fantastic architecture. Our first stop, again, I know you're talking about spoons. There, it's probably the Admiral of the Humber. Because that's literally three minutes in it from the station, which is a Weatherspoons pub, um, typical kind of city centre. I think I've yeah. put here a typical car- cavernous city centre spoons full of out chaps netting their stellas or two pints for a fiver on a Monday. Miss Mondays, I've said here. Um, there's a, mu- a much more upmarket spoons, isn't there? I mean, hold the uh, three John Smiths, which Scots. Is- oh, sorry, three John Scott, sorry. Named after three vicars of the same name. That's right. And that used to be the post that was in the old post office building, isn't it? Yeah. Main post, said, office. In my notes here, I've said think Whitehall and Rural Britannia. Fantastic white stone, very um, well, powerful buildings, aren't they? All the area there, I guess, was when, when Hull was a, a Victorian port. Um, it's quite a nice typical port, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just yeah. like Liverpool or Bristol. Yeah. And as Expe- you were saying, uh, both those merchants. Both those spoons there, they were good Reggie Yorkshire beers, as we said, local beers. Um, yeah. And again, you can't really go past the price of them. Um, probably just have one in the Admiral, as we normally do, and then get out quick or have your breakfast. And they're supposed to have a massive rooftop garden now as well, the Admiral. never been quite yeah. up there, but it's supposed to have a massive great outdoor area. Not that you get much sunshine in, although, to go and sit up there. But uh, yeah, somewhere else I'd like to have a look up on top of. So Hull is, again, a city that was uh, obviously went through a bit of a decline, obviously a massive fishing town, and, and a lot of that has been lost. Obviously, again, industry, again, shipbuilding we've mentioned. Um, and was A lot, a lot was lost during World War II. It was, bombed, the, it was one of the most bombed cities, wasn't it, in World War it II? It was, uh, yeah. Into uh, the eight, eight, get back across the North Sea, but that's too much away. 84, 84% of all buildings in the centre of Hull uh, were bomb damaged. In fact, it's the only city left in the country that still has a building that has never been touched since the end of World War II. Uh, I think it was an old cinema ballroom. Yeah. So as you come down Beverly Road, the frontage is there, but all behind is still the bomb site, and there is a, a, a group trying to uh, trying to purchase it and restore it now and create a museum. But uh, yeah, once again, Hull, like Liverpool, Liverpool suffered more casualties, Hull suffered more damage, and yet the people in Hull and Liverpool were all upset that they were never mentioned on the news. 
places like Coventry and London were always referred to, but these two towns, because of propaganda and, and censorship, they were always just referred to as uh, two cities or two towns in the north uh, had, had received bombing raids. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of history in Hull. And I think there's a nice, I think I think you're right. Liverpool and Hull are quite similar. And I, was, I work in Liverpool now, and there's a lot of similarity in the, in the ports. Uh, Hull's probably a bit of a shadow of Liverpool. It hasn't quite got the culture, but it was named City Culture in 2017, wasn't it, Hull? And that had yep. a, a lot of money invested in it. And then it's now looking at ironically, it was ironically Siemens. Siemens yeah, making the the winter energy. Yeah. German company, so it's ironic yeah. that they're helping rebuild the city that they basically obliterated in 1943-44. And I think it was mentioned last week, there is a ale trail in Hull, which again has been quite long-standing. I think it's uh, um, probably a little bit updated and look at the website, but again, you can download the ale trail. And certainly if you're looking around the old town of Hull, which is the bit down by the river, uh, definitely worth picking that up, get a bit of history about the, the, the various pubs there as well. And it's the home of the Scrap Butty, which I think will be Bruce's recommendation for Hull. Uh, uh, Whitehead's Chippy, which is on Cottingham Road, which is the big road coming out of North of Hull. Uh, and they do a Scrap Butty. Uh, Bruce, you better explain for Southern people what scraps are. Well, scraps are all the little bits of uh, batter that come off the fish when they're deep frying it. They're scooped up, put to one side, kept warm. And uh, traditionally, uh, you get them on top of your fish and chips. Uh, they're free. That's the thing. They are free. Yeah. Um, so they're very popular. Uh, sadly, probably uh, a couple of ounces of uh, scraps probably takes about two years off your life, though. So that <laughs> scrap butter is probably like a, a slow form of euthanasia, really. Uh, and the fact they're a, by a byproduct that means they're charging you 75p for a bread bun, then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I, I, I don't true. think scraps are free anymore. I think, I think you have to pay for scraps now, but again, uh, yeah, not, so not up in here, Yorkshire. In our neck of the woods, it'd be, it'd be one of each and a bag of scraps, which is efficient, efficient, one fish, one chips, and scraps. Uh, yeah. and so I said. This but this uh, probably is launched over the pandemic. Um, Whitehead's Chippy do a scrap butty for seventy five p, which is oh, a, a Yorkshire balm cake full of, <laughs> as Bruce said, uh, scrappings from the bottom of the fryer. So at least they don't make it into gravy. Like do it KFC when they're oh, scrapped, do they? Work it through. So Hull is definitely worth a town going to have a look at. Uh, it's now got obviously city announced marina. Uh, the deep is um, again. Uh, I know he's struggling a little bit at the moment with the current pandemic. Yeah, that's um, a fantastic collection of museums that are free to go into as well, hasn't it? You've uh, got William got... Wilberforce there, obviously the slavery um, Transport reformer, Museum, right? which is Transport quite famous. Museum. Yeah, uh, and I so say you've got that mix of very kind of the old town, the old warehouses against that uh, more Victorian. Uh, very kind of classical buildings from the that we mentioned the station, but also the post office and and the, the customs houses, which are very nice as well. And then uh, the fifties and sixteen fifties and sixties concrete from the rebuild. Yeah, that it's is out as well. Oh, sorry, it's Bob probably pointed out as well that uh, if you're after a cheap weekend away, the hotels are really really cheap. And there's so much yeah. to do as well. You can go there, you can go spend night around Beverly, so you can get down to Bread. But uh, if you're on a tight budget, the hotels are insanely cheap. I think we went on a night there last year because um, we were going to my wife and daughter were going to a show. We stayed in the Premier Inn for like a family room for £29 on the Saturday night, which is bonkers. So say, they, uh, it must be the cheapest and, place. And I know they did kind of, there was a bit of concern because I think the, the whole the beer trail was getting a little bit of a you know popular hen night, whatever, stag do thing. But I think Hull is quite a hard place to get to, isn't it? It, it is at the yeah. end of the line. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's a long journey, both by road and or rail. They come from Manchester or Leeds, you know, it's an hour and a half to get there. 
the motorway seems to go on forever. Um, so I, it still has that. It's, it's it doesn't get too mad. It, you know, it, it's still kind of a place where it's not like Dublin, for example, on a Saturday night. Oh, you know, it's busy. Yeah. I mean, make no bones about it. The old town's fantastic. These pubs are great. But when you get there, you're very much aware that you're a town that's on the bones of its ass, aren't yeah, you? Really? Yeah. You know, that, that feel permeates. And of course, Ferrens Way, the main shopping street, well, sadly, House of Fraser's closed down now. Uh, and now Debenhams has gone yeah, as well. So yeah, when you come out of the station, you I mean, House of yeah. Fraser's, as Hammond's was, there's plans to turn it into a sort of street food centre, whether that'll fly or not, because Trinity Market started doing that. So it really is... Uh, you know, got a lot of issues really. And um, so, yeah, this does kind of uh, dress it up a bit, doesn't it, really? Hey, Bruce, you know what they say, it's never dull in all. No, very true, very true. And the people are really friendly as well, aren't they? Yeah. And again, I, I've never felt um, unsafe in Hull. I mean, I've even there, you know, in the night time, it, it's, it's one of those places, it's a proper northern town, really. Um, I think, again, there are literally hundreds of pubs in Hull. Uh, we've tried to pick probably what, six that. Certainly, we probably would drink in, or if we were going oh, yeah. ourselves, we'd definitely go to, if not all these, you know, three or four of them. I think, as always, our our idea would be go to the furthest point, which I guess is the Minerva. So Minerva. get down to the river and then work your way back to where towards the station. So if you want to walk, it's probably I don't know what is it half an hour to the Minerva from the same old railway station. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty five minutes, half an hour. Twenty minutes, yeah. You've got, the, you've got to get over the like over Clive Sullivan Way, which is kind of busy in a ring road. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Minerva is literally on the banks of the Humber, so it's a nice place to have a walk down and, and look at a normally very grey and murky water. Um, again, sometimes very frighteningly fast at times, a bit like Mersey yeah, when the yeah, tide's yeah. going out, it really rips past there. You do get a, a nice view of the Humber Bridge, um, which will be to your right from there. Uh, and if you're lucky, you might see a couple of big boats coming in. Um, and again, they've done quite a lot of work on that kind of promenade bit down there, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, you'll also be quite close to the new floodgates um, on the River Hall, which again are worth looking at or walking past. Uh, and again, Nick, there are some very impressive toilets in that square outside the Minerva, aren't there? Which again are a bit like the kind of the Victorian. Victorian, shiny copper, brass, and uh, porcelain enamel. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely Minerva there, is but... a big old, I guess, Dockers pub in the past. It's a big old, was a Tetley's house. Again, I've got a nice picture of it on the screen if you're watching. Uh, I've been there for many, many years. A uh, very popular place, certainly in the summer, um, you know, lots of places outside to, to uh, drink. Um, mm. There's a little bit on the side, which used to be a brewery in the good old days, but now I think we just extended that into a, a drinking area. Um, lots of rooms. It kind of It's one of those kind of TARDIS pubs. Um, as you get into it, it goes bigger and bigger. Big, big bar at the front, although we tend to stay to the left and go into the side bars and the big at the back. And it's got a fantastic snug, um, which good. seats three people. So, again, if you get there fairly Really early, snug. Get in that little snug. Uh, again, another pub that's got a lot of photos and history on the walls about Hull and the whaling fleets and the, uh, you know, the, the docks and everything, which is interesting as well. So, certainly worth going down there. It's a free house now. So, again, there's always a really good range of beers on. Uh, and, again, most people in Hull probably would recommend, if you ask them, good pub in Hull, they'd probably say they're Minerva. Um, it's increased going. in popularity. Every time, last two or three times I've been there, it's been busy compared to what it used to be. Really is busy now. Yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of gins on in there, so you get a lot of uh, ladies going in there now as well. Um, so, yeah, it's... the. I can't see, I know they closed for a while because they were struggling, it seems, but I can't see them uh, 
ever looking back now, because as you say, Mike, all down that area, all those what used to be all warehouses, where yeah. all the fruit market stuff was, they're just being opened up as bars and restaurants and eateries now. So people are migrating down there now. Are not going to hold to shop. They're going to hold just for a day out. And so everyone's migrating out to that area now. So I uh, hopefully it means that they, uh, they aren't going to struggle in the future. And I say to the left of the pub, you can't really see it here, but if you, I've said here, if you walk out the left side, you walk back to the marina, um, and that's quite a big complex now, lots of nice posh yachts and boats and things as you walk back towards the old town. So we have got some pictures on the left there for those that are looking. That is me and Nick. Last time we went to Minerva together, we're in this, we actually got in the snug. And I think the picture there with Nick is you can see how small that is. They're cracking little place. If you get this. And as I mentioned there, you can see some of those photos and things on the wall with information, which is good as well. So once you've left Minerva, if you then suggest we, you, you head towards the old town, um, which is kind of the old kind of, as it suggests, the old bit of the, the fish town, the old Dockers town of Hull. Uh, there are literally pubs every, I don't know, 100 yards out in the old town. Um, yeah, listen to that. And so you can pick and choose really where you want to go. Uh, there'll be some door stuff outside some of them. There'll be loud music coming out of some of them. So again, you can often kind of pick up. But there's a bit of a strange combination that we mentioned when we were just kind of getting ready for this. There's, there's William Hawks in there. What's that bar? Is it bar 52, Nick, that we went a few times? Or bar 82 or whatever it's called? Or is that William Hawks I'm thinking about? It's like a wine bar, but so decent ale. Yeah, well, see, it looks like a converted shop. Yeah. Um, and even the fixtures and fittings inside are sort of 1960s, 1970s. But it, it was... It was a real revolution at its time. Yeah. Uh, but you certainly wouldn't say it was a traditional pub inside or even a comfortable pub, pub as such, but uh, yeah. So this, again, is good. If you've got the ale trail leaflet, that'll take you around the old town. Again, I probably would say if you want to have a quite a quite quite nice just trip around, probably pick a midweek day. It does get quite busy on a Saturday and a bit more on a Sunday. So I think mm. if you want just to wander around, perhaps, you know, almost on your own, then probably pick a weekday. So it's called we, land, of, land of Green Ginger, isn't it, the area now? Yeah. Is, is there a street actually called that? I think there is, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The Land of Green Ginger. And that's, that's where... That's yeah, the landing key, isn't it? Yeah, you head for the Land of Green Ginger, and along there, then you're, you're picking up all these very, very old old pubs, which, like you say, in the, in the good old days, would have been the, the haunts of the sailors, and that's why they haven't, they haven't changed that much. Yeah. Uh, but it was always, yeah, it's always intrigued me why it was called the Land of Green Ginger. So kick us off, ye, ye old black boy, which you can imagine is currently full of debate in local papers mm. about the name of it. Um, and ye old black boy is, again, a very old pub. Um, Two rooms, yeah, one strip floors. Been there forever, back. really, hasn't it? Uh, a bit, yeah. bit of a recent refurb, but again, just, again, atmospheric. Uh, there'll be a, at least three or four different beers on there, which is, is worth going on. Uh, a little bit further on there, probably my favourite is the Lion and Key. Uh, mm. This used to be a Dirty Nellies in the old kind of Irish. Um, we had that phrase back in the kind of 90s, noughties. Uh, on a corner. Now, this used to be linked to a, the Cathead Brewery, which was, again, in the next street or so, but can't find at the moment where the Cathead is still brewing. Uh, but again, this place has got, it's one of those places that's got beer mats all over the ceiling, remember, guys, doesn't it? And it's got some nice oh, rooms. clips, yeah. And, and Wait, it's incredibly popular it's... on a weekend. We tried to get in last February. No, couldn't even get through the door. It's incredibly popular, yeah. Uh, oh, it smells of fish and chips. Well, again, which... it's famous for its fish and chips, isn't it? It is, yeah. but sometimes when you're not eating, then you don't feel like fish and chips. I don't know. Sometimes fish and chips can smell nice, and sometimes they can smell offensive when you're in a pub, really. 
And then I think last time we were there, we ended up being able to sit outside the back. There's a little beery garden bit at the back, wasn't there, that they'd opened up, mm. that we sat in. Um, but again, yeah. worth a visit. Um, if you walk then back from there, going back towards um, the kind of city centre, two yep. pubs on your way there. One would be the Old Blue Ball, which surprisingly has got an old blue bell, sorry, old blue bell, sorry, which has got a big old blue bell out of it. Again, this is a typical, a great Yorkshire passageway pub. So you walk down a passageway right next to Trinity Market. And this is another Sam Smith's pub. Um, mm. Again, a very oldie-worldy kind of place, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, it's almost like a... It's all right. They'll really hit their trade because they used to go and it was always full of, like, uh, old yeah. men for whom it was a second home. I mean, so it was like a, a working man's club, really, wasn't it, Bruce? It was, but with, like, a real fire. It had a lovely sort of shabby feel, but very homely. Yeah, fixtures and fittings were very much 70s yeah. and early 80s. And, they were, but... I, yeah. Just feel they'll dive, they'll migrate to Weatherspoons because a pound a pint, you know, if you're on a budget, you know, suddenly paying three pounds something that was two pound, and you can go to Weatherspoons and get a pint of you know, Green King for is it now one thirty nine or something, you know, if you're on a budget, it's a no brainer, isn't it? Sadly, well, worth going in again. You, you get the normal Sam Smith's fare. Um, Trinity Market again has had a little bit of a, of a revamp next door to it, which is worth going in a proper old fashioned uh, indoor market. Uh, I think like I said we were there, there's a few uh, beer stores in there as well. Yeah, and that, not, it's not very big though, is it? You would think it'd be a lot huge. bigger for a city the size of Hull, like, but and yeah. then through there, you get to the Hull Minster, which again is a quite a nice, again, a, a quite a bit of a refurbished uh, plaza. And famously, they run the whole beer festival in the crypt of the, the whole Minster, which apparently is a really good do. And again, mm. somewhere we need to go really as well. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one in that kind of area, which again is, is another kind of passageway pub, is the Oldie White Heart, mm. which again, you, you can sometimes miss. Um, it's a pub where you've got to go down the passageway and then the pub's towards the back. Um, again, it, it, nice big sign outside. And this is one of Hull's oldest pubs. Um, and again, my notes say it's a 17th century merchant's house with ingle nooks and a plotter's parlour. Um, and it really is kind of oldie world in there, isn't it? Lots of very dark wood, um, it's kind of very small leaded windows. And I didn't know this, but I'm just reading this in actually in the book you bought me, Nick, for Christmas. And um, the joy, the joy of pubs, which is quite a nice little book. Um, and the plotter's parlour, which I think last time we were there, we sat in there. We actually sat at that table because there's a skull, isn't there? There's a skull uh, in a glass case that kind of stares down at you that they found apparently when the place was at a fire 50 years ago. Um, but I didn't know this. So it says that the, a lot of pubs in the UK can talk about links to the Civil War. But the one that kind of tops them all is the, the old White Hart in Hull, which is where the whole thing started. On the 23rd of April in 1642, in an upstairs room, still known as a plotter's parlour, a group of parliamentarians agreed to close the city gates against the approaching King of England. The ensuing unsuccessful siege of Hull by the King was the first confrontation of a bruising conflict which continued off and on for 17 years and was the Civil War. So the English Civil War, they claim, was started upstairs in the oldie mm. white, white heart. <laughs> Yeah, so going back to our telephone boxes, that's why Hull doesn't have any uh ER, you know, crest on its telephone boxes because Hull still has this, this, this thing about being, even though it's Kingston, uh, against the kind of royalties of a parliamentarian city, so uh, hasn't got a royal whatever it is. So, there you go, 
And it worked good in there. I looked the beer, um, the beer something a bit eclectic in there, if I remember rightly. It's some quite strange things that you wouldn't kind of last last time we went in there, Bruce. I had a pint of Caledonian. Do you remember yeah. when Duckers was yeah, all the rage? Yes, I do remember that actually. Yeah, and then they did another one called the Flying Scotsman, didn't they? Yeah, that's uh, right. you don't you don't see Duck. I mean, once again, Duckers almost took over from uh, Timothy Taylor's. You know, you walked into a pub that was saying they're offering guest ale, and it was all it was all bloody Duckers. Yeah, yeah. Calitonian Brewery Duckers. So that's what I'm saying. Whether it was a, uh, a fantastic marketing plan on there, I don't even know whether they're independent brewery, whether they're part of a massive chain or what. Like, but I remember, yeah, they, they said they did Duckers and then they did the uh, Dukas, or however you want to call it. And then I said they did, I'm sure it was one with a train on it, Flying Scotsman or mm-hmm. some special like that. But yeah, we're drinking a pint of Scottish beer in a old <laughs> pub, but. Yeah. There we are. It was everywhere. So, so by now, you know, if you've been to Beverly, you're probably getting towards a 10 pint mark now. So you're probably starting to feel <laughs> it a little bit. So if you stagger back towards kind of the railway station, um, on your way back, if you just if you swing a little bit kind of to one side, you could end up at the Hop and Vine, um, which is just the top side of the kind of main shopping area in Hull. Uh, and the Hop and Vine is the normal, the number one camera uh, ranked pub in uh, in uh, Hull. Uh, this is, uh, they claim to be in the basement of the only remaining Georgian Terrace and Hull. So it's a basement pub. It was a wine bar. It's now a real ale, real cider place. And again, Nick, is an interesting place to, to go, isn't it? As we found it, It's certainly in a basement, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a cellar today, but yeah, that's a basement. And there was, as, as, as I remember, it was, there wasn't much ventilation blowing down there. And it was quite a warm uh, day, wasn't it? And, yeah. Probably what four table, a very very small bar, uh, four tables. Again, the loo is behind a curtain. Um, yeah. So, but you know, worth yeah. going to, and a, a cracking range of, of beers as always, and ciders, which you mentioned last week as well. Knowledgeable blocks with beers hanging out in there. Yes, it's one of those kind of camera, typical camera place. So you know, it's worth ticking off. Uh, and again, you could probably get in there and get a, a, a probably a half of something quite quite different, quite weird. Um, and then from there, you can stagger back to the station and head back to wherever, mm. wherever you came from. So that's Hull, I think. We've just about... Can, I, can we just, just mention, I mentioned it to you guys earlier, that uh, um, we, me and Bruce had been to the Black Horse in Preston a couple of weeks back. Uh, I think we featured some photographs on the YouTube. Uh, the Ceramic Bar, we've mentioned the Ceramic Bar in the Garden Gate in Hunslet as well. There's actually only 14 pubs in the whole of the country got Ceramic Bars. Two of those are in Hull. Now, the last time me and Bruce went to Hull, the ones in the in the uh, polar bear, the white bear, the polar bear, walked all the way out there. It's up by the river Hull, uh, yeah. just in the edge of the, the old town. Unfortunately, it was closed, and it was closed as in closed down. Understand it did reopen once again. Don't know what's going to happen because of COVID. And then the other pub that I've never been in has got the ceramic bar as well, and they reckon that is identical to the one that is in the Garden Gate. So, All right. We keep saying it. If we do get back to Hull whenever we can, when lockdown's up, it might be worth having that extra walk out there to try and find those two pubs. Because uh, I say, the fact there's only 14 left in the country and two of them Probably are in Hull, it'd be worth... I'm sure they're open, won't we? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so that, one... that's... So there's something yeah. like, talk about a ceramic bar, though, isn't there? The, the feel it gives to a pub's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one that we haven't mentioned, that is, again, a lot of the rep, the books talk about, is the whalebone. Which again is out that way, Nick, towards that that by the river hall there, mm. on that kind of uh, eastern side of, of Hull city centre, uh, and that's again a very much for Dockers pub. So again, if you got 
bit more time maybe worth worth popping out there as well so Mm. definitely worth a a trip to hull uh so we probably would definitely say if you can spend an hour so in beverly it's well worth doing it um hall and beverly are both fairly compact certainly the city centers um you know half an hour you could definitely get across the town of beverly and the city of hall certainly into the old town um so you can probably walk most places and then get, get back to the stations so that's it i think we've done another 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 one put to bed hull and, hull and east riding so that just leaves us next week we're going to move on to look at the uh uh, real L trail uh, I'll just leave us with this final picture for those that are on YouTube um, <laughs> just just to just do the government health warning that as I mentioned if you start off early on uh, at SEMA and you start drinking uh, Punk IPA uh, on the train you get off at Driffield, you get off at Beverly you go around Hull, you go back to Beverly um, and it can be fairly fatal so this is a picture of Nicholas asleep on my mum and Cheers. dad uh, Rugged from the fire uh, at about half past seven uh, on a mid on a Wednesday night, I think. And in fact, he did quite well because he did wake up, and we actually went up and ended up going to Italian restaurant Florio's for a little bit, a little bit more. Like a contented wet nosed Labrador, I was. (laughs) (laughs) It it can be pretty fail. So as always, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this week's cast. Uh, We are available on Podbean. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts on YouTube. Again, if you could leave us uh, a uh, a review, that would be fantastic. As I mentioned, if you do want to direct messages in Twitter, um, if you do want the list of pubs, I will try and write those up each week just so you've got kind of written copy as well. And if I can, I'll put links in to things like the L trails that we mentioned as well. Uh, and so next week, we are going to go and re- revisit the Trans-Pennine Real Ale Trail. So we'll probably begin our journey in Staley Bridge and we'll work west to east and end up uh, in Leeds. Uh, and again, we'll see how we get on, really, whether we, 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 we talk about Leeds in a bit more detail. I think we've got a lot to talk about, really, on, the, on that, uh, that line. Anyway, haven't we? So uh, uh, we could probably debate whether some of those pubs in there are, are on the list. Um, I think there's probably more in Huddersfield that we've been to that are listed there as well. So we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll oh, yeah. as well. Head of steam is missing from Huddersfield, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's next week. So uh, good listening. Uh, see you all in a week's time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Cheers.